bad ones. I'm your freshly head-shaven host, Cam Harless, and subbing in for Jessica Green tonight is everyone's favorite Ammon farmer and mustache enthusiast, Mr. Whip and Spoon. <laughs> How you doing, Whip? Buenos dias. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> How are you, Cam? I, I, what I, I'm doing all right, but you know what I love is the fact that right now you are, you know, coming in live from the fields. Like you, you don't expect that level of, um, I don't know, manliness every day. It's, it's a commitment <laughs> to, uh, to not only one craft, but two crafts. Yeah. The art of masculinity. Mm, I don't even know what that means. But I, I don't I either. Can't I don't either. I'm just a man. Um, Sorry. but uh let's 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 i I'm, I'm late i'm sorry that i'm late i know that your picture is can i interrupt yeah hold do on it. you are late but your picture is crisp i know buddy it's dude crisp. i i found the cheapest way to upgrade my camera and make it so that right now it's only at 1080 uh it's at 1080 which is great um one day it'll be up to 4k but the camera i have is 4k and so this is you know <clears throat> excuse me down converted a bit but you know how much it cost me to do this? Four dollars. Four dollars. Well, I smell a scam. Sixteen, because I okay. had to buy the the mount that which I've mounted it to my wall with. But other than that, sixteen dollars. <laughs> but thank you for noticing. I'm I'm very happy with it. Um, I'm trying to. I'm going to be figuring out different things as we as I continue. But um, I do want to talk about tonight's episode because I'm stoked for it. Uh, we're going to be talking to one of my buddies from TikTok. That's right. I'm coming out as Gen Z right now. Mm. Um, but uh, <laughs> show me your rollerblades, buddy. <laughs> I, oh, rollerblades. Uh, right. What are those shoes with the, the skates inside of them? What are they called? Heelys. Heelys. That's what I have. I can't even think of the name, but yeah, that's what I have. Do you um, legit own those? No, I don't. No. Oh. I was never I was never rich enough as a kid to own those. Oh. I, as a 20-something-year-old, bought the first pair ever sold in my hometown. Hmm. You could really catch a rock in those. <laughs> it's not great. I have scars. I'm, uh, I'm sure. So we're going to get started. But before that, um, I want to let you know that this show is brought to you 100% uh, by the fans and patrons. So hit like, subscribe, and share the show with your friends. There are all sorts of topics that we've covered. Um, and so there may be one that you... Uh, see the topic of and think, hey, this might help me. This might be something that I want to know or need to know. So, or your friend is having an issue and one of our, we have a couple of episodes that could help them with that issue. Um, so share it with them. That's really the only way that we're going to grow. Um, also, if you're like really into me, I know you're not, but if you're really into me, um, the I'm best way to kind of support this show is to go to Patreon uh, because there, you know, you get to you get a little bit better access to me and uh, Jessica when you know she's she's on sabbatical now, but uh, when she's back. Um, but there we have occasional early episodes, uh, Zoom hangouts that we try to do monthly, um, and you get my eternal gratitude. Also, little tiny perk that I don't know if anyone cares about. I made a new uh, phone background for when I am doing the show because I, I put it in a focus mode so that I can't get texts and tweets and stuff in the middle of the show. Um, but with that, I'm it, now with the new operating system, I have it and it's it's it looks like it has my logo on it and stuff. So free high definition background of the logo with some stuff if you're a patron. Just, that's all I'm saying. Um, also, if you would like to help us in other ways, uh, we do. I do have a store. I, we sell merch. 
Uh, if you go to wearethemadones.com slash store, you can get tanks, you can get teas, you can get coffee mugs. And right now, free shipping for anyone uh, that, that, that shops in the store. And until the end of the month, that's until September 30th. And until the end of the month as well, if you're a patron, you get an additional 20% off. So you should do that. But let's get to the show. Um, do you like Jesus? I sure I love do. Jesus. <laughs> so does our guest. Uh, he, like a total nerd, went to college after doing the military thing to learn uh, learn how to defend Christianity. He's a former interrogator with a heart for the Lord. He spends his time on a uh, Chinese spyware app arguing with people who lie about Jesus. He's a mad skilled. He's mad skilled with a yo-yo and just a joy to speak with. It's Mister Zachary Cooper, aka the Muted Flag. Wow, that intro. <laughs> God, God bless you all. Oh, that was inspiring to hear. Wow. Legend. That, that was the last thing that I did before we went live because I, I forgot to do that too. <laughs> but uh, uh so yeah, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. I like I said pleasure to be here. I feel like I haven't met a lot of people on TikTok. I think you're actually the first person besides maybe Matt CL. I don't know if you know him. I know him. I know of his con. Uh, I just, yeah, yeah. I like Matt. I like him. I like what he has yeah. to say. Yeah, he's he's the only other person that I've talked to for more than you know a comment on TikTok, and so I've enjoyed the, the heck out of your stuff because it's really kind of odd and cool that because uh, the, the first time I saw you, you were making this great point, and you were talking about um, how some people. Uh, will assume you're orthodox based on your theology, but that you're not. And, and mm. but the whole time you were freaking flipping around a yo-yo and doing <laughs> tricks, and I was like, "Is it the '80s again? What's going on right now?" <laughs> you know, um, yo-yos come and go, right? They have a they have their time of like you know being hot and being not hot, and because of TikTok, they're pretty hot right now. Like there's a, there's a lot going on in that kind of a community. I, I personally, I didn't pick up yo-yos on TikTok. I've been at it for like seven years, and I started that when I was a Marine to entertain my fellow Marines. Marines like to, you know, they think, you know, I just thought it was cool. and Eating crayons, playing with yo-yos. That's right. Right. Delicious. <laughs> Red is the best one. I'm just letting you know that right now. I would have thought pink would be the best one, you know, like Starburst. I mean, you know, it, there's a preference, but pink is ultimately a spectrum of red. Anyway. That's, That's true. I'm just That's saying. true. Um, so, uh, so the people will get to know you a little bit better than my, my intro, um, could you tell us about yourself just a little bit so people understand who you are and why you're on TikTok and why all why am I on TikTok after actually what's up Whip? I would just like to ask what kind of yo-yo you're currently using. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, a whole bunch of them. I have way too many yo-yos. Uh, they're all metal. They're all expensive. They don't come back. Okay. Tug, right? Maybe uh, you know they're all on the shelf back there. But I don't know if I have room in the office. But you get the. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. It's Good a signature. Talk. Maybe maybe we'll do some of that. But uh, uh, there's a yo-yo recreation. There's lots of really fancy brands of like boutique yo-yos that like Caribou Lodge Yo-Yo Works. Uh, I said uh, Yo-Yo Factory, uh, Yo-Yo Friends. You know, there's uh, all kinds Who of knew? different brands that people never heard of. But you know, Yo-Yo is one of them. <laughs> awesome. Okay, thank you. I do have a Duncan. It's all metal. Again, you know. That's what I had. When I was, okay. they were yo-yos were really big when I was like uh, preteen and young teenager. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I that's how I got my start. I just wanted to, uh, you know, here I was fresh out of counterintelligence school, and I was like, 
man, I really want to know if I can learn this. <laughs> and so I just, I picked it up and I could learn it. I mean, you know, it's, it's practice, 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 and it's a lot of hitting yourself in the face with a piece of metal flinging at high RPM. <laughs> so so before, before we go on to the deeper stuff, Whip, do you have any surprising skills that I don't know about? Um, no, I, I don't, maybe, I don't know. I can draw a lot. I can, uh, I can fly kites pretty well. Um, and I used to yo-yo a lot, mm. but, um, I'm super good at falling off of stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, you, and you, your name whip, whip and spoon comes from, uh, your woodwork. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to make and sell, uh, leather work and spoons mm. and paddles and things. Nice. I grew up doing work with my grandpa, you know? So like he taught me how to turn wood and that's always been fun. So I'll get a lathe or make one, one of these days, pretty busy lately. So. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have been, I'm, I'm happy that you're here. Um, because it, what I found is that, uh, with this show, it's a lot harder for me to get it done and to make things happen when I'm all by myself. So, uh, Oh, buddy system. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> we're, we're a trio right now. You gotta have the ears, man. <laughs> Gotta have that three musketeers going on. That's awesome. Three is a magic number. Awesome. Uh, so just you asked a little bit about my background, so I'll just go over the juicy bits. Really, uh, I I would say I came to Christ when I was twelve years old. Right. I grew I grew up in the church. Um, I grew up. Uh, we'll just drop it down and dirty. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. Uh, went to a Baptist summer camp. You're twelve. Oh, now I understand that if you don't believe the gospel you're going to hell. So that's when I came to the understanding, but that's not, you know what I mean? Uh, but it was really, that's a whole nother story in itself. They, they put on a, a play of the apostle Paul and I was hooked. I was like, man, if God forgave Paul. He's willing to forgive anybody. Yeah. And so from that, you know, that's when I really came to the faith, uh, you know, from a, a pretty young age, uh, had my good years, had my bad years, uh, had my really bad years. And um, then eventually, years and years later, to about 2006, joined the United States Marine Corps, uh, was in from 2007 until 2019, medically retired, uh, served in both Iraq and Afghanistan. And when I was in Afghanistan, got to work with the interrogators, the counterintelligence, human intelligence guys. And I was like, man, I want to do that job. So uh, after a long process, ended up joining that community, that counterintelligence community. It's a very, very elite, like one percenter community. You know what I mean? Like less than 1% of the Marine Corps, less than whatever. So then, uh, you know, towards the end of it, uh, PTSD, mental issues came, came raining on down. There's no shame in that. Ended up having to seek some uh well, not, not seeking, but getting sent to mental health and, uh, end up getting medically retired. But, uh, just before all that process had happened, I had rededicated my life to the Lord, uh, got, uh, when I got out of the service, uh, immediately met, uh, our brother, the Hal Lee Hulk started learning from him. And the way I came to apologetics was really God led me to it. Um, yeah. the Hal Lee Hulk said that he was, when he was uh, he attended a Bible college for a little while. And, uh, he said his weakest subject was apologetics. So when I started looking into Liberty thinking, well, I'm going to use this GI bill of mine, maybe to glorify God a little bit. It was like, okay, apologetics, natural. It's, that's what I felt led to whether I liked it or not. So <laughs> what I think was funny is I, I remember when, um, I found out that you had a degree in apologetics was a TikTok, 
and someone had i forget what it was but someone was trying to like down you in some yes, way yes. and you you walked over to the thing on your to the uh, diploma on your wall and i was like hey i have one of those too and i i, I was able to stay, I to do that and i i i hate that because and, and you know it's funny because in a way there's a lot of these other smaller creators or independent creators and man do do they show their spiritual pride colors when they find out that you have a degree it's like dude i i don't have a degree to know what I know, right. I know what I know. Therefore, I cruise through my degree field like a like a thunderball. You know what I mean? That my degree field was easy because I already have the the Holy Spirit because I already love God, and so I you know just crushed it. But uh, it was funny. Uh, you know that woman was a Torah observant, and she insulted me and another content creator. And she was like, well, they don't understand what I mean because they're in kindergarten. It's like them being oh, in yeah, kindergarten yeah, yeah. and trying to listen to the professor. And the funniest thing was, this name might not mean something to anybody, but it was uh, Reaction Rosie. And both her and I have our degree. So I don't, I didn't hold it up as a matter of pride, right? It's just that I thought it was so ironic that here's this person who has no education in any of this stuff whatsoever saying to me, <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like, man, the irony here is too delicious. It's, well, it's so funny. And what's funny is I didn't even remember that it was. Um, which you know, you may get some slight TikTok inside baseball in this episode. Mm. Sorry about it. Uh, you know, search for it on TikTok if you want to know more. Um, but um, one of the things is I remember when I came across um, that the one you were arguing with. Biblical. I think her name's Biblical Apologetics. Is that what her name is? I'm not. We don't even have to drop her name. <laughs> Right, but I, but I the, her, the first video I saw of hers, which is similar to something that happened today, was a solid video. Like it mm -hmm. was a it was a good video, and then everything I've seen since has been Torah observant stuff and kind of weird. See, so, that's the the problem is, uh, if even if we look at history, uh, if we look at the history of the faith, what we're gonna see, every heretic has always been able to quote the Bible to make their point. The Bible, uh, there's a lot of people who say stuff like, oh man, well, well, you got the Bible, pick up the Bible. Sometimes we need to understand that we have, like, just like I have these glasses on that are blue light protectors, right? And you see the blue light reflecting off of it. People have a lens that they view the Bible through. Absolutely. And they have this cognitive dissonance, which is unreal. Yeah. And if you start bringing up things against their, the, you know, their cognitive dissonance, they'll bite your head off. And you wanted me to talk about righteous indignation. Yeah. That's different than righteous indignation. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is that I think that when, when we start dealing with, with people who are so trained with cognitive dissonance and you challenge it, it's like they've only been raised on one theology. Now they hear something different and their brain explodes. Yeah. But in, in her case, that's just the reality of, you know, I think every heretic in the history of heresy, and it is a heresy. Judaizing yeah. is the oldest of heresies. Yes. I, that was, I don't know if you've seen my videos when I react to it, but that's one of the things I'm, I always mention. This is the oldest heresy. This is the original <laughs> heresy. This is the absolutely, when, when they're talking about another gospel, what they're really talking about is the Judaizing gospel. That's what Paul is talking about. That's the first ever heresy. And the thing about that is that, um, you know, she's a, but she's able to maneuver the Bible and quote the points that she wants to quote. And she'll sound very convincing because so many people just don't even pick up the Bible themselves and read it. Right. So much of my successful refutations or defenses of the faith 
I've just been picking up the a physical Bible and going line by line and just showing people like, hey, did you know this is what the Bible says? Right. Galatians 5.4 says, whoever seeks to be justified by the law is severed from Christ and fallen from grace. And you can't say, and so the, the natural reaction, which I've seen some Christians accept, but I you, you shouldn't accept, is this idea that, oh, we don't take up the law for justification. There's no such thing as not taking up the law for justification. That's right. the purpose of the law is to justify and bring people in a right standing with God. Yeah. So there is none of that, but at any rate. Well, I mean, it's just, I don't know how, which, you know, I, I do kind of want to go over a little bit of what this whole Torah observant thing is. Sure. And, you know, we'll get into a lot of stuff. It's pretty free form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I don't know how someone reads any of Paul's writings, uh, especially Romans and all, you know, all these different, I mean, you could just bring up point after point. Oh, yeah that just completely destroys any argument they have. And that's, that's why I, um, so the reason I loathe the Torah observant um, sect, even outside of it being pure, purely like the first heresy mm. is I have seen, I've had three friends, uh, not close friends, but three friends who went down that road. Mm. Uh, and so it, it seems that the way the road goes and it has uh, two out of three times so far. Um, and it's, you know, progressing in the third case, but it goes Torah observant, uh, getting, uh, either getting rid of Paul that that's, that's, a, that's, that's a stop on the road is, is starting to say, you can't Paul, you shouldn't listen to Paul. He's a and false then, apostle. Right. And then you have, um, the move into rejecting Jesus and moving into kind of Judaism, um, followed finally well like soft judaism like an un, a, a judaism where you don't actually understand judaism yeah and then uh like new agey unconnected getting rid of the religion and oh i'm just spiritual but not yes. religious and so people just get rid of their faith and i have an experience with that too i uh knew a fellow marine and he started investigating messianic judaism and the fascinating thing is that while he was converting and no doubt on like pages, right? Probably on the face. I don't know. I'm just, I'm surmising here, but he was on probably like Facebook groups about converting and like sharks circling the boat, like sharks circling the boat were these, uh, were these, um, what's the term? Not Orthodox Jews. Um, uh, Hebrew. Roots. What no, no, no. Um, actual Jewish people. Um, there's a there's Orthodox Judaism. There's a progress. Um, is it progress? reformed? Reformed, reformed Jews. So there were reformed Jews, Orthodox Jews, and then there's conservative Jews. That's the the three main branches of Judaism as far as a religion Fair right now. And, yeah. uh, so there were all kinds of reform and Orthodox Jews circling the process like sharks, trying to undermine people's faith in Jesus. And sure enough, he fell away from his faith in Jesus. I remember I had a conversation with him where he denied Jesus as the Messiah and. Um, that's, you know, that's what happens. Like, I remember, uh, if you want to see somebody who's an awesome, awesome Messianic Jew, if you want to see two groups that I can recommend, or three, I'll recommend three right now. Three who are amazing, who are uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who of course is a, is a, you know, fascinating apologist, fascinating historian. Huge uh, born, mustache. Born and raised Jewish. Yes, yes. We're, this is the mustache crew. We got to, we got to give props where props is due. But, uh, He's a great one. I love Dr. Brown. Um, I, I literally watched a program where a woman was trying to de defend her Hebrew roots faith and explain him the Torah. <laughs> so, okay, you're talking to someone who was born and raised in the Torah. 
Jewish people, and incidentally, we're going to get into that maybe, Jewish people are allowed to observe the Torah because it's who they are. Right. It's not a series of rules. It's who they are. Uh, so another one is Model Ballaston. Model Ballaston, who gave an outstanding uh, testimony, super viral over on over on YouTube, and he gave wonderful classes. And he talked about how the Torah is the schoolmaster, but now we are under the master. Right. So right. his understanding of grace line, uh, lines up with the Christian understanding of grace. Um, but that he said in a wonderful uh, speech on Galatians, he was breaking down Galatians and he was saying, but Jews are free to continue observing the Torah as a part of their cultural practice uh, because it's it's what they've always done. You know, if a Jewish person was is, is a Jew, it believes in Jesus and they say, you know what, I've never eaten pepperoni pizza in my life and I never will. They're they're at their liberty to do so, yeah. But Judaism is a closed system. You cannot become seed of Abraham, right? I'm the barest little bit seed of Abraham on my mother's side. You can't you can't become that. You're either that or you're not, and that's the glory of the new covenant. And the third one that I'll recommend is one for Israel. One for Israel is an awesome ministry. They're the ones that that pushed out uh, uh, his uh, model Ballaston's uh, awesome testimony in the first place. And they, those are Messianic Jews who are uh, themselves are Israelis. So they are over there fighting the good fight and uh, trying to win win Jews for Jesus. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Well, I think that maybe for anyone who's not well aware of this whole situation, um, would you be willing to give kind of a basic um, overview of what this Torah observant deal is, what they believe, what they teach, and versus what they argue? Okay, so first and foremost, um, there's saying Torah observant. Uh, there's as many different sects of this as there are butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers in the normal, uh, you know, Protestant, yeah, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, who who the heck, everything, right? So Hebrew roots and Nazarim and and Torah observance and and BHI, right? The Hebrew Israelites. Some of these are like a world apart from these. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Just wow. Just wow. Just wow. Okay. Uh, so brief, brief pause, just because uh, I have to, I have to tell you this. Um, so I want to say last year, um, I spoke to, um, we, I we spoke to a guy named Hotep Jesus. I don't know if you know who this is. I don't know. Um, well, he's, he is, uh, a part of the Hotep movement, which I was, I've heard of this vaguely. Yeah, so, I was trying to talk to him about what that means. And I don't think I learned a darn thing in the, the interview, <laughs> um, but I had asked him because, you know, when you see the um, nation of Islam, when you see the black he Hebrew Israelites, when you see hoteps, you wonder how are they friendly? Are they against each other or whatever? I, you know, I'm like, what's the, what's the common ground? And he goes, there is no common ground because we are the, are the Egyptians and they're the Jews. And I was like, Whoa, whoa. Wow. Those are, <laughs> those are strange. Line. Those are strange spirits, aren't they? Yes, they are. Sorry, I just had to that was such a bizarre to, thing. To be like, yeah. So I don't want to focus too too long on the, the tour observance because I don't feel right. like they deserve it, first of all. Yeah. But the bottom line is that these are people who they've read the they've they've been convinced that this is how Jesus walked. And therefore, that's how we should walk. Now, Jesus obeyed the Torah perfectly. 
But uh, I think the great lie, one of the greatest lies that all of these groups, so the Hebrew roots is focusing on, we have Hebrew roots as a faith. The Torah observants are observing the Torah as a matter of sanctification. But just anyone who understands anything about church history will know that in the in the ancient, ancient history of the church, the waters between justification and sanctification are not just muddy, they are clear. They're almost the same thing. There's there's not a difference in the in the historical views of Christianity between salvation, justification, sanctification. They're all part of the same process. Yeah. So the bottom line is when people look in the in the law and they say, Oh, uh, Deuteronomy, this is my covenant forever. It's my covenant with Israel. That was one of the points that I've been I've been itching to make, and I just haven't had the I, I just don't want to talk to these people. Yes. And there um, are like yeah. I was like, who do you think this covenant was for? The Mosaic Covenant specifically, because we have we have four covenants to cover right now. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. which covenant are you talking about? Right. Um <laughs> the Abrahamic the Noah covenant, the the uh, uh Adam Adamic covenant, uh, Noahic covenant, and the Abrahamic covenant, and now the Mosaic covenant. Yep. So and the new covenant and the new covenant. The new covenant. There's there's many different covenants in the old. Some some scholars have argued there were some several who I've I've heard of who argue that Malachi is almost a a revision of the covenant because it says what uh, love love justice uh, do mercy and walk humbly with the Lord thy God. This is a, again like a almost like a reduction repentance statement. But that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is that Torah observants are basically they're trying. Okay, because I have a Bible here, they're trying to view the Bible. From the perspective of, uh, well, this part of the Bible, this Old Testament is bigger, right? So right. we should be viewing the Bible from the perspective of this. But the Bible is, for Christians, truthfully for everybody now since the coming of Jesus, we're to view the Bible from the perspective of the New Testament. Right. That because interprets the, that. The New Testament is Jesus Christ is the supreme revelation of God. Mm -hmm. God in the flesh, Emmanuel. He came, he walked. John says, we saw him full of grace and truth. He, he ascended to the right hand. He went to the cross for our sins, was buried, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, seated in glory, waiting for his glory second come. Right? This is the gospel. Yeah. That through the faithfulness, the Bible says that through his faith, by believing, so because of Christ's faithfulness in obedience even to the death of the cross. And the thing is, is that the New Testament is there to unpack the real meaning of the Old Testament, which is Jesus. They are putting on their underwear outside of their pants. They are putting on their shoes before they put on their pants. That's or their what sock. They, they put their shoes on, they're putting their so the sock on yeah, top of that. It's, <laughs> and not only that, uh, Michael Brown did an outstanding response to a woman because they were putting the little... Uh, the tassels on the edge of their garments. Right. And Michael Brown brought up the fact that he's like, according to the to the Torah, you have to wear a smock. You have yeah. to wear like a robe four with corners. fringe, with four corners and fringe on it. In fact, when Jesus, when the woman touches it, the kanaf, the uh is the the fringe, right? When the it says he has healing in his wings, healing in his kanaf. So when G, when that woman touches Jesus's uh the fringe of his garments, that's when she's healed, right? So the, Jesus was, you know, walking around in, in that kind of a garb. And, and additionally, you cannot cherry pick the Torah. Right. You cannot Where are your cherry sacrifices? pick the Exactly. Thank you. 
That's, yeah. that's the Holy Spirit at work between you and I right now. You can't do it. It can't be done. You, if you chop Leviticus out of the Torah, you are not following the Torah because the Torah is one Torah. Yeah. The Torah is one. That's, there's no way that you can chop Leviticus out. You better be making blood and grain sacrifices. Yeah, but the, that's what the book of Hebrews is there for. We we people misinterpret Hebrews a lot, right? Yeah. It mean it has a lot of powerful statements. It's all for us. There's no such thing as anything in the Bible that's not for all Christians. I, I can't stand dispensationalists when they're like, "Oh, Hebrews isn't for us." No, no, well, you're just not a Christian. Well, <laughs> let's, be clear, let's be clear here. Let me let me let me break in real quick because there was one. Uh, I'll just say Torah observant or Hebrew roots. For yeah. sure. I'm just going to use Hebrew roots from here on out. Sure. Um, uh, this one Hebrew roots person, this woman that I saw a TikTok of that just made me so mad for two reasons. One, because it was utterly false. And two, because she was, it was so dumb, Zach. It oh, was yeah. so dumb. That's my, that's the hardest mm. thing that I have to deal with is how dumb this is. I think I remember what what one you're talking about actually and I think that's the one where you messaged me and you were like, "Man, I was so angry. I feel like I have to repent." And I <laughs> that night that's when I told you, which is a wonderful lead in to bring up what which maybe we'll talk about in a few is righteous indignation. I said, yeah. "You got nothing to be upset about because you were mad because of her misrepresentation. Yeah. It's not like you got mad in the flesh." It's not like you got mad and, you know, we're like, oh, man, how dare that person say, you know, that's, uh, I don't, I don't, I, you know, that uh, Hondas suck. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, it, it's that's not that's normal fleshly anger. But what you that's righteous indignation. Is, uh, oh, is, boy, this woman got on there, dude. And yeah. this gin. OK, I'm going to try not to curse. <laughs> let's, let's work on that, shall we? <laughs> I mean, this we've all got our crosses to bear camp hey amen, amen. <laughs> this i can go on this extremely gentile woman mm -hmm. told people christians that they shouldn't be reading i think it was chapter seven I, of romans mm -hmm. because it wasn't for them it was for the jews and i'm like you are i can tell by looking at you you're extremely gentile i mean yes. you're i mean you're so gentile if someone in that time period saw you, they would wonder what the heck you were, because know, obviously you're not like us. I, and I know exactly what video you're talking about, because her argument was, I speak to those of you who know the law. She's like, so if you don't know the law, it's not for you. Okay. Okay. Okay, Karen. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. 100% of the Bible was read out loud that was my that was my video <laughs> 100 of the bible i remember i made like a 15 second response to the same thing and i was like you're talking about the book of romans which was read out loud in front of the entire roman church right by a woman by the way yeah i'll stir the pot a little bit <laughs> by phoebe that's it's they, there's yeah. no question that phoebe is the one that, that read that out loud but so the I mean, look at the Old Testament. Uh, look at look at Nehemiah and look at Ezra. And they read the law every every Saturday. Can you even imagine? They read the whole Torah every Saturday. From let but me, anyway, let me tell you real quick. Um, I've told a couple of people about my the project that I'm working on. It's a huge project, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and some of it's not even remotely original. Um, but the the entire Bible, the whole thing, was intended to be heard first and foremost, rather than read. 
reading it is a is a different situation and we that makes it so that some people get down to the nitty-gritty parts and try to play with words i mean it's good to read it it's good to study it in that way but mm -hmm. it was made to be heard and so uh, a friend of mine probably about a year ago said hey i love listening to you talk mm -hmm. i love your voice i would love if i had a version of the bible that i could listen to that you read mm -hmm. And I said, uh, I'd like to do that. Um, and so I've been thinking about it and praying about it for a while. And I keep getting inspired of different things. Um, so, you know, reading it isn't going to be like, that's not groundbreaking at all. But the idea that I had for Psalms has me so excited at trying to figure this out, which is um, one for me, yes, to read it. Mm -hmm. But so that you have the, the plain text that you can hear. And then right after that, uh, match that song or that psalm with a musician who mm. would turn it into music. I think you need mm. both elements because you're going to have to have some creative license in actually turning it into a song. It, it's actually not a psalm if there's not an accompaniment. That's what I'm we, saying. We, we can read the psalms, but his, but um, biblically speaking, theologically and, and scholarly you know, speaking, if without an accompaniment, it's not a psalm. In fact, it says in many of the psalms, to be sang according to this song, to right. be accompanied with this, right? To be accompanied with the harp and lyre. So there's no, I mean, you, we can read the psalms. They're glorious. They, they enrich our, our, our uh, prayer life. They help us communicate with God. They help us understand that, that David was crushed and upset and, and pissed off and angry. And God, where are you? I know you're yeah. good. And I know oh, that was you're hurt. with me. And I know that you you are a God who keeps his word. And I know that you're not going to abandon my soul in Sheol. And I think that people need that. People need to understand that the, in this in terms of the Psalms, like that they can you can pour out your heart to God. Yeah. You're you're not going to insult him. None of your the little thoughts in your head are hidden from him. Yeah. So you might as well pour it out to God. That's why David was a man after God's own heart because he understand he had that intimacy. And we need that intimacy with God. And that's that's the cool thing is the reason that I, I want to do that is uh, I, I de I've definitely never heard every psalm as a song or accompanied mm -hmm. or whatever. I think that'd be very interesting. I also think it would be so cool to match the different types of psalms to yes. different genres of music yes. and different voices, like some some like real hard imprecatory psalms and like oh man i i want to do it so bad and i've got to figure oh, it out be very but... cool yeah oh. different artists different styles yeah. yeah like a very like a real uh experience i can, I can yeah i know Dude, what you mean i want to do it so bad i know it's <laughs> I, someone's thought of this before someone's probably done it poorly but i want to do it well and i want to try it out well that's one of the things you mentioned is that it, it is true that it, that's one of the spiritual realities of the bible faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god I must have read Philippians 3, 18 through 19 dozens of times Yeah. until I heard Adrian Rogers preach on it on the Bible when he says, for many, and that wonderful, if you know who Adrian Rogers is, wonderful, power old, so, powerful old Southern preacher. Uh, I don't, I don't know like, like a ton of, uh, I really don't know a lot of celebrity preachers. I don't, I was in the Marine Corps for 12 years. I don't care. I'm glad that I don't know. But Adrian Rogers got up there and he said, for many walk. As I have told you and tell you and tell you again, weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, 
whose mind is of earthly things. And when I heard that, my spirit jumped out of my skin. And I was like, wow, I must have read that many times. But now that I've heard it preached, now I understand it. Because there are so many people. Aren't there so many people? One of the, the phrases that I'm not going to do, man, I'll just say lukewarm individuals yes. who will learn, judge not lest ye be judged. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. And the next thing that we'll learn is we wrestle not against the flesh and blood. Okay, we wrestle not against the flesh and blood does not mean that people are not bad. It right. means it's a it's a battle cry against the spiritual realities of spiritual warfare because he says we wrestle against the principalities and powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness in the air. That's he's saying we're wrestling against unseen, real spiritual Dude. demons, spiritual enemies who want to destroy our souls. That's what he's saying. But when he gets to Philippians 3, 18 through 19, he drops a bombshell through all these people say, Oh, you you know, you you're you're just picking on people and, you know, we wrestle not against the flesh and blood. How about this? This is what Paul also said, that many walk, as I've told you before, and tell you now again, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Like I said, I must have read that those two verses a dozen times. It wasn't until I heard it preached, spoken on, that I really, really sank in. Well, that, and that's the reason I want to do it is like, I'm sure a lot of people have read uh, the Bible out loud. I mean, I, I listen to one every day because that's how I do my daily time is by listening that's, instead yeah. of instead of by reading. Um, but it, I, I think that there I think we can we could have something really special. Mm. I feel like God's putting that on my heart. But that's not even the thing I told you that God was putting on my heart before. That's a that's a completely yeah, different thing. Um, but no, I, I'm I, I, I totally derailed us. Um, where were we with the tour observant thing? <laughs> so let's, so I'll start transitioning us off of that. A right. Little bit, Cause like I Righteous said, they, don't, they really don't deserve our time. Where did I get my hatred for legalism? Cause this is really a, a great tie into that. I didn't get my hatred of legalism from the Torah observant movement. I didn't know who the heck they were. I had no idea that that was such a big movement until I started to really see it. Really, I got my hatred of the Torah Observant Movement from Gene O. Jennings. Okay. And if you don't know who he is, he is a cultist. Okay. Point, point blank, I'm not, I'm, we're going to call a spade a spade. Uh, he is a cultist. And the reason I say that is because uh, he is a oneness Pentecostal uh, and he is not. You, can we define that real quick? Okay. So, please, yes, and thank you. All right. So, a oneness Pentecostal is a. It's the it's another original heresy. Arius in the third fourth century argued that Jesus was the Son of God, but not God. Okay, so he went back to this model of a singular God, only God the Father. But the earliest writings in the church, uh, writings of Ignatius of Antioch, the earliest writings in the church other than the Bible said Jesus, our our Lord, our Savior, our King, our God. Okay, okay. so the, from the the divinity of Jesus is present from the earliest writings of the church, bar no, no questions asked. But then come the fourth century, Arius becomes popular by having a catchphrase saying there was a time when he was not that's arianism so yeah. he's saying that why Jesus, santa slapped him yes santa claus slapped him in the face <laughs> santa claus giving gifts to kids and slapping heretics in the face bro for real there's a reason we had we celebrate christmas all right <laughs> it's it's great it's jesus but uh it's, it's jesus. <laughs> it's jesus. but um uh but 
So that's Arianism is another, it's an ancient heresy. Yeah. I don't, and now, so the oneness Pentecostal movement was a legalist offshoot of the Azusa Street Revival. In the, in the early 19th century, we're not going to go too deep into the history here. The early 19th century, the Azusa Street Revival, William Seymour, the leader of the Pentecostal Revival, it's, it's ultimately one of the most successful revivals of all time. But the thing is, is that, um, oh, it's here, love you, bro. But, um, so uh, William Seymour, I remember, and I watched uh, Church of God in Christ. They're a wonderful, they're a wonderful church body, another Pentecostal church body. Their bishop was giving a lesson on how legalism came into the church. Uh, and one, Gino Jennings is an example of legalism. Uh, he's got, he preaches holiness as if it's a, a do, a thing yeah. to do, a real works-based salvation. But what he doesn't preach is at the confession of faith. He never preaches that Jesus is Lord. The Bible is very, very clear. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Really, from, from 10.9 to 10.13, right? For with the heart one believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. But what people forget, or what they don't know, again, people don't, 1 Corinthians 12, what does Paul say? He says, no man who speaks by the Spirit of God can say that Jesus is accursed. But no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. That goes back to the conversation we had before about how we both grew up AG, but one of our yeah. disagreements, like, I believe in the gift of tongues. I speak tongues. But is tongues the sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit? It's a gift. The sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the confession of faith that Jesus is Lord. That is the sign. You can't say Jesus is Lord and mean it without the Spirit of God present inside of you. That's a powerful statement. So Gino Jennings does not preach stuff like that. He preaches holiness. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to speak in tongues. And, and you need to be holy or you ain't going to heaven, right? Yeah, they're non-Trinitarian as well. And so they yes, don't... Yeah, they, just so, so that's they, completely Yeah, clear. so they believe in the oneness God. Their argument is that when Jesus says you need to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, what's that name? The name is Jesus Christ. No, dude. No, it's not. Okay. We don't no, even, it's not. We can't even we don't even know that we name. We can't dude. fathom that that's an unknowable name. <laughs> it's an unknowable name. It, even Yahweh is just a it's a it's a placeholder. It's an acronym. Ac Yahweh yeah. is an acronym. Even the YHWH is basically an acronym. It's a covenantal name, but but that's what ineffable means, right? Ineff unknowable. Yes. Like ineff you just can't know it. Ineffable, unknowable, yeah. right? The um right. like the the Ruach Akadesh, the Holy Spirit, right? The um uh Gino Jennings will get up there and he will, I, I watched a wonderful man break him down. He's like, only one sit on the throne. He's in Revelation. See, only one sit on the throne. It says, and then the one who sat on the throne handed the scroll to the lamb slain. Oh, imagine that. So there's a distinction between the one who sits on the throne and the lamb slain. So classical Trinitarianism is the belief that God is three, yet one. Eternally three, eternally one eternally distinct but there's a, a distinction between the father the son and the holy spirit if you look at those models right those little is not is not is man i need like a whiteboard but that's like <laughs> that's a model that came around ages later the early church wouldn't agree with something like that they'd have more of a model like the father the son and the holy spirit and all these a big circle around them they, they believe that the oneness of God rests in God the Father. They have a very different view, and that's like that cognitive dissonance, right? But at any rate, so I was 
just vexed by this preacher because he sounded really good at first he's he's out there quoting hebrews pursue peace with all men with all men and holiness and holiness without which without which no man no man shall see the you know what i mean he's got his his guy reading the bible while he is like reacting to it basically he's the bible's hype man yeah and so uh and the thing is is that uh that's true. We we are that's a that's a statement that should hit many people in their theology. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So when I first got a hold of him, I was like, man, this guy's really passionate. But you know what? Is pa- does does passion take the place of truth? This is the problem. Jesus is Lord. The confession of faith saves. Is, you know, uh but so that's where I first uh, and there was this wonderful clip by uh, Gilbert Patterson of the Church of God in Christ, the bishop, the leader of the Church of God in Christ, another another Pentecostal denomination, just denouncing legalism. It is his magnum opus. It's the greatest sermon that he ever did because he was talking about legalism that had seeped into the body of the Pentecostal revival, right? The, it eventually splintered. Different groups were formed because of different belief systems, right? The Assemblies of God believe in uh kind of this finished work of the cross model where the pentecostal holiness follow more of the wesleyan idea that is that there's second works of grace and continuing in grace and that there's a process involved to it right where you know the church they they all have a little bit of distinctives but in that sermon which is called uh salvation is an inside job he hmm. just gets to this this awesome moment where he says now comes the bombshell read Romans, Romans 10, uh, 10, 1 through 10, 4, and he's reading in the King James. He says, and he says, now comes the bomb shall read ver- verse 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the, wait a minute, since I'm in Christ, why keep trying to put me under the law? <laughs> since I'm in Christ, why try to keep trying to put me under Sabbath days and holy days and meats that I can eat and clothes that I can wear and can't wear when Christ is the end of the law for righteousness? And it was just an awesome Man, I, I posted a reaction to that video, and it was my first ever like 170,000 views. It was crazy, so crazy. <laughs> nice. But so my my distaste for legalism didn't come from the Torah observance. It came from these kind of strange, uh, these legalistic and very works-based salvation people who are creating this this path to salvation that they call holiness, and where it might. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-holiness. I very much agree. I'm, you know, I agree with with John Wesley a ton. I agree with the Church of God in Christ and and some of these others a ton. I have massive, I have pretty big disagreements with them because I see that they've taken up like 19th century theology that was not common to the church before that time, and that's a problem. That's a problem that that the modern Christianity really needs to reckon with and doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that that's where I kind of got my distaste legalism it had nothing to do with their movement it had everything to do with people uh getting swept up by uh signs and wonders which are signy and wonderful but then going after the law for sanctification because the the it's very clear paul says now that you've been made a slave to righteousness you have your fruit unto holiness you will watch preachers conflate righteousness and holiness all the time. But righteousness is the doing of the right thing. Holiness is the not doing of the wrong thing. Holiness is being set apart. But righteousness is doing those right things that we've been asked to do. You'll hear people say all the time, which is one of the worst, uh, our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
Okay, there's a huge precondition to that statement in Isaiah, all right? There, because of the sins of Israel, because of the idolatry of Israel, that's why their, sin, their, their righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. The New Testament in 1 John says, Dear children, let no man deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So there's just, I mean, you, you hear these people try to, to pick and choose with the Bible. They, they try to pick and choose with it all the time. Well, one of the things that I've heard people say um, on and off in different different times are these things like, no, I'm a good person. I've never done this. I've never done that. I don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you realize that being morally neutral is not being morally good, correct? You realize <laughs> that there's a distinction here. Just because you didn't do some stuff doesn't mean you did anything. So that's a great segue into the apologetics of the Christian worldview. What does Paul say? He says the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. Why is the wages of sin death? Many, uh, there's many evangelical people who could not explain this to you if their soul depended upon it. Because God is love, life, and light. And if we put sin between us and him, we have put a, we have put a wall between us and love, life, and light. We have created a barrier the whole the, the whole narrative of the Bible is God wanting to, this is something that modern Christianity is completely foreign to, is a reconciliation project of all creation. The end post of the end post goal of the Bible is not heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. It's the full reconciliation of Cam is freaking out right now. It's yeah, it's the, there's it's, a hey, the it's Orthodox, one of my points, man. The Orthodox are huge on this, and I've become huge about this. There's a 100% uh, resurrection in the Bible. Yeah. It's a 100%. It says, the Bible in the book of Revelation says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, what? Every man according to his works. There's a 100% bodily resurrection of all mankind before the judgment seat. That is a that's become an orthodox distinctive, but I'm so, so weird. I'm so glad that God led me to it, and He's led you to it as well. Well, so, what's I mean, funny is He didn't He didn't lead me to it with orthodoxy because I I don't do a lot of the orthodox stuff. I just talk like it sometimes for right, some reason. Right. Uh, N.T. Wright is what. Yes, I love N.T. Wright. Oh man, if we talk um, about. But yeah, that's well, one of my things. Is is you know like the and you'll figure this out later. I'm going to ask you a, a very pointed question that you're going to have to answer sure moment um but uh this is a show of hope yes and that is that is the hope the blessed hope is the return of our lord yeah and our we, resurrection from the dead and our resurrection we, from the body yes he's the first fruits of the resurrection when paul is responding in first corinthians 15 and he says how be it that some of you say there is no resurrection for if there is no resurrection even christ is not raised and if christ is not raised you are still you are still in your sins. So first of all, Paul is not is absolutely saying here that the resurrection and the cross are both as part of the salvation. If you ask many yes. modern Christians, they will tell you that they think that the resurrection was just proof that Jesus is the Son of God. Right. No, the resurrection is the fruit of what is going to happen to all of creation. Yeah. That Jesus it is gospel. again. That's the that's the good news. The good news. You could sum up the good news in two words. He lives. Yeah. You could sum up the good news in the words Jesus lives. Well, and that's Man. what's so so crazy because you know, I'll I, I don't really argue a lot. And I'm sorry, Whip, if you want to break in, just let me know. I'm, yeah, I'm a talker. Um, but 
like I, I was talking to someone about the crucifix, the crucifix versus the cross, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Catholic um, cross with Jesus on it versus the one without. And there is some symbolism in difference between those two. One being, you know, the regular crosses points to, he's not there anymore. He's resurrected. Right. And I was, I was talking to the person that I was talking to said, uh, well, I mean, we, we don't, I mean, the, the resurrection was a cool byproduct, but what we really needed was the cross. And I was like, it's, that's like saying, you know, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but there was no jelly. It's not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich anymore. It's a peanut butter sandwich. Well stated. <laughs> so Without the jelly, it's just sticky. <laughs> yep. Still delicious. But it's not going to get you where you where you want to go. Because yeah, the full gospel, Paul says. I mean, when they break down, and that's supposedly an early creed. Some people have argued for that, right? First Corinthians fifty one through four, how that Christ went to the cross for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. If you really what, what these people cruise cruise right on by resurrection. Look, let me hang on. Let me look in the part of the. This is the one part of Romans that nobody ever reads. Man, I got an NKJV. I just finished reading it the other day, or listening to it. Rather. Love Romans, but I, I spend too much time there because too many people who don't know what they're talking about try to quote it. Um, Paul, a bondservant, this is NKJV. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It's the very first thing he says, the very first thing Paul says in Romans, and declared to be the son of God with power to, uh, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Paul is focusing everything back to uh, the resurrection. One of the things that the people who claim to love Romans, uh, and yet clearly they just they just want to, sectarianism they just want to beat their chest and and quote romans to back up their stupid ideas is the fact that paul drops the word obedience many times in the book of romans romans is all about obedience it's all about obedience it's the fact that the church has been splintered jew and gentile and now paul is pulling them all back together there's no that's people try to quote romans 9 there is no romans 9 it's you know the chapter and verse added later it's romans 9 through 11 where Paul is talking about the national destiny of Israel and how God still has a plan for physical Israel. Uh, I'm not a dispensationalist at all. I think I made that clear earlier in the video. You sure did. I'm reading, I'm actually reading a book on Revelation now because that's one of the areas that I didn't spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. in because I was so interested in obviously Jesus and like I've been very fascinated in looking into um, Genesis the yes. creation narrative as well mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. the surrounding mythology like i th- find that fascinating how it's a polemic against other gods in a yes, lot of ways it is, it is in a um, lot of ways but um i started reading it's the book's called uh reading revelation responsibly by michael mm. gorman mm. so i've i've just gotten into the revelation bit a little bit more and I'm just like, yeah, I, I can't understand this dispensationalist stuff or the restorationist stuff at all. One of my favorite, one of my favorite. Um, dispensationalism is uh, left behind stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, yep. Now, what's Thank restoration? You. What's restorationism? 
Well, I mean, it's well, I, I said the wrong term. Um, not restorationism. I'm thinking of uh, dominionism. You know, okay. The, yes, he says. I know a little bit about. It, I think. Yeah, that's so, like we have to take over the world and make it a theocracy for Jesus to come back or something. That's, that's kind of like post mill. It's kind of like po like uh, which is like a you know post millennialism is this idea that we're eventually going to Christianize the whole world and then Jesus will come back and we baked him a nice cake. Yeah. And so you can tell based on what I just said what I think about that. <laughs> I am a classical amillennialist. We are in the millennium now. Jesus reigns now, uh, but there's two positions that I'm willing to respect, and that's that's the premillennial position. I'm willing to, I'm, you know, whatever. It's I'm, we we shouldn't be divided based on our our, our ideas about the end times. First of all, but sure. classical classical premillennialism is not like dispensational premillennialism. The the early Christians thought that every the whole church is going through the tribulation. They didn't believe that the they would be secretly raptured out of there. They didn't believe that. Yeah. And in fact, they they make it very clear because they thought they were in the tribulation. Yeah, well, they go, were in a big way. They were, they were, they were facing tribulation. They were being persecuted, martyred to death. So the thing is that they, uh, and I don't blame them. I'm not here to. I mean, they were being killed. So it's not. I'm not trying to. We read some of the ancient, uh, some of the ancient writings, and you see that they thought they were in the tribulation because they didn't have the long mindset to understand that even at that in that day and age, there were tens of millions of of china pe uh, people in china who had not yeah. yet heard the, the gospel right there was not that concept yet. we even see that in the book of acts right we see oh lord will you now deliver the kingdom to israel oh cool you rose from the dead are you going to go sit on david's throne now that's what they thought but you said you know you're going to be well, well, the whole world but um you know that's that's the thing is that uh so we're talking about um when when people really take apart that that idea of the resurrection being a, a central theme of, of salvation, which has become very much an Orthodox and even somewhat Catholic idea. But uh, uh, about the reform uh, during the Reformation, this is kind of when these ideas started to be fleshed out and they were really fleshed out like in the 19th century, as, as far as this, uh, you know, the evangelical movement, the, uh, the, the many different movements that started to gain popularity. And I'm not blaming them so much it's not that they're all wrong or all bad. I'm not saying that, yeah. but I am saying that people grabbed hold of some of these theologies because they looked at them as expedient to preach revival. Right. Oh, don't you want to be saved from this? Don't you want to get secretly raptured out of here? Well, you better put your faith in Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I, I will state right now that I, uh, the, so the amillennial stance is that the, the millennium is now. It's not a disbelief in the millennium. It's a belief that Christ reigns. He sit, he's enthroned at the right hand father and that when he returns that's the end of times that's that's a much more orthodox stance on you know and i am not orthodox i i'm not i have a huge respect for their faith i have a huge uh love for them and, and many other different groups uh i wear this is a, a ethiopian orthodox cross i love their faith there's reasons i'm not orthodox and if we and if you know we can <laughs> we can chat offline about that because we, we could go into it one one thing so i was talking with izzy centric today mm -hmm. and let's talk about another of my favorite apologists who you brought up who's more of a historian too nt Wright. yeah uh, i did a one uh, he's another wonderful one i cs lewis nt Wright, um craig dr craig keener dr craig keener and he Wright are two of my favorite scholars right now uh dr michael heiser is another great one. Oh yeah oh, by the way you said something about i forget exactly the the context earlier you mentioned um about oh yeah flesh and blood it's an unseen war i'm so excited for next next month 
October is because, you know, I do try to kind of theme stuff and I was going for a, yeah. you know, the spooky season uh, theme and the way this thing unfolded was wild, Zach. And I don't know <laughs> if I've told you this uh, because the first person that I talked to was Izzy centric. He just came to mind as you were mentioning that if you want somebody who knows the spooky stuff really well. Yeah. So I, I in Go which away. I have questions at one of his videos today, I was like, Hmm, but I didn't want, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but I have, I have questions. Um, but, uh, I, I first asked him and you know what his, it, this is unseen warfare kind of stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I happened, uh, there's a guy named, uh, Brian Godawa, who is a big fan of Michael Heiser, who, by the way, the unseen realm is an incredible book. That's a, like, it's earth shaking. It's great. Oh, shattering. Um, but, uh, he's a, a big fan of that and understands that theology and he's written, uh, fiction books about these different characters in the Bible. Right now I'm in the middle of his book on Noah and it, it mentions these second, second temple, period views on nephilim on sons of god stuff like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. very interesting very very odd and i happen to me that book list i will thank <laughs> you um if you get amazon uh kindle unlimited or whatever you can read them all for free so it's like i i had a deal i'll see if i can find you the deal um Good but uh, i, I happen to see him on twitter and so i sent him a message i was like hey you don't know who i am but uh and he goes, actually, I do know who you are. And I was like, what? He goes, I saw you on Tucker. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I guess a few people know who I am now. Um, <laughs> uh, but he he writes these books about this very topic, this unseen warfare, these gods, you know, gods. And uh, so he, I said, hey, would you like to do an episode? And so he was the second, he's the second week of October. Mm, and I was good. like, okay. Um this is this is fun um but then so it's there's a theme building but i hadn't recognized it yet and so uh, a month or two ago i we spoke to a guy named justin marler who used to be the guitarist of the stoner metal band sleep and mm -hmm. right as they were starting to get famous he left the band and became an orthodox monk hmm. and we had a we had a good conversation with him but then i messaged him i said hey i know one of the big things within orthodoxy is kind of dealing with death and memento mori you know stuff like that i was like would you like to come in october and we can talk about that and he goes i i want to come back but i don't want to talk about that in october and i said okay what do you want to talk about unseen warfare there it is right there and i was like okay let's do it and then i mentioned these different things coming up and uh, a friend messaged me and said hey um i just talked to to my friend i think her name's ruski or something who is a woman who was a was a Luciferian for thirty years before she came to Christ? Mm, I love those. Those Neat. are the best. Those are the yeah. best. Neat. And so October is gonna be wild and yeah. all about spiritual warfare. And you know that's that's part of my testimony too. When I was younger, I was deeply led astray by uh, real Gnostic Christianity. By yeah tarot and astrology and crowley and israel regarde and i i knew i knew and practiced some wicked things and i still profess the faith so i thank god that he forgave me and delivered yeah. me from that because man it's the stuff is real that's what people um there's a wonderful uh pre uh it's preacher. real it was very real it's yeah. real i've experienced uh, most of what you spoke of tangentially 
like I came from a Baptist background. Oh yeah, and German like, Baptist, like German right? Baptist. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and so my grandpa was a a head elder, and so I grew up in that. And I know, you know, I just walked away from it. But then throughout my twenties and thirties, and now my forties, I've just experienced a ton of that tangentially. And the Crowley aspect came into it later. And mm. good lord. That dude. So, I've read, anyway. yeah, I read books. I read whole books by that man when I was a teenager. Uh, you know, man. I was deeply like that's. If you want to know how to get demonically possessed, there it is. If you want to know what what you're gonna need to do in order to get deliverance, like hands laid on you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There it is. This is the kind of stuff where people say that, and I love this testimony whenever I hear it. I didn't find God in the church. I found God because I found out that the evil forces. We're for real. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are for real. They are for real. real. There is no mistaking it. And like, so real quick aside on this topic. Please um, go on. So uh, the dude who did Watchmen, Alan Moore. Yes. um, That guy did a a comic book series that they collected into graphic novels or whatever called Promethea. And that thing explores like, it's a fictional superhero that he made up and it's totally mystical and like if you just want to see a bunch of Crowley's work and learn a bunch of it in pictorial form you know good luck it's it's all in there and but but experiencing that and not really knowing what it was and then finding out about Crowley later was like oh darn it dude it's like right there in front of me and I never knew it and it's that shit was real gosh yes that's not cool it's super (laughs) less than cool Stuff it's is cool very... that it it's it exists because it opens up so many possibilities. Like like, okay, so my, I don't know, man. I've taken the viewpoint that we live in a mystical realm is the best mm-hmm. way I can put it. We live in the confluence of the highest level of hell and the lowest level of heaven. And like, I can best sum it up with an oatmeal cartoon about the mantis shrimp where he can see. So much that I can never see. This little shrimp can see so much that I can never see. And the, the wavelength of energy that we know about, if we put it on the map of the West Coast, it starts at Mexico and it goes to Canada. And the rainbow that we can see, coincidentally, is, is San Francisco. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but, but, like, but that's all I can see is San Francisco. Yes. And yeah. so, I don't, so that's where I live. That's where everybody lives. Is we live in San Francisco. The whole world lives in San Francisco. And then there's like the rest of all those wavelengths that i can't even see that are that are in we all interact with every day think about think about the physical right there, there's said to be a dark matter that basically encapsulates and shapes matter uh the unseen realm is bigger than the seeable realm the seeable realm is a reflection of the unseen realm that's one of the things i love about the upside what, down yes we are the 100 percent by the way, I just started watching that show and it is amazing. It is. My kids love it. They're probably too young for it, and that's okay. They I'll are too young that. for the last season. Just uh, FYI. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's where we pulled the plug for our kids. But what are we one talking thing, about? Stranger Things. Stranger I've Things. Never seen it. You it's should a, watch it. You'd like it. It's a fabulous show. It really, really is. Like uh it's great. I stopped paying for Netflix when the cuties thing came out, and then like we wanted to watch something, so we borrowed a Netflix password. Uh, from a person that we knew that was going to jail and then i think they stopped paying their netflix well they had other things being they were in jail or something i don't know what to do Uh, i can probably torn it so i don't blame you i don't blame you i can help you out buddy foul foul. um but 
it, that's again we we just talked about that verse earlier in the in in the show didn't we right uh we put on the whole armor of god mm-hmm. or we wrestle not against the flesh and blood but against the principalities and the powers the spiritual forces of wickedness in the air now this is a reflection of what the sons of god in the old testament those are called the sons of god those are the little g gods. This is Psalm 82. It's it's a that's what the the psalm that changed Michael Heiser's theology because yeah. it says God's dance. I'm not gonna wait a minute. Let's just got the Bible. We go swap there. out swap out uh, God for Elohim. Elohim and the Elohim. It says Elohim, God, right? So in the Hebrew, it would say Psalm 82. Elohim stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the Elohim. There it is right there. When they put when uh when his friend put that psalm in front of uh Dr. Heiser, who was a fresh uh master's degree Hebrew student, and he looked at it and it was a bombshell through his worldview because he said, Wait a minute, this just says that God stands in the in the assembly of the gods. Yeah. So and now notice that uh this is another bombshell that I'll drop on some people that I love to drop lately. The Lord just laid it on me so huge. Words that never came out of Jesus' mouth. Upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus never, ever said that. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my ecclesia, which in the Old Testament is kahal, which means assembly. Yeah. So wait, what does it say right here? God stands in the congregation of the mighty, the assembly of the mighty. Yeah. That's not well, me and, making. And what's that rock he's looking at? Mount Hermon. And, and then, <laughs> and then, yes. And then on top of that. What does Jesus say in in the last beatitude? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Sons of God. Paul doesn't say all of creation is groaning, awaiting for the return of Christ. He says Paul, all of creation is groaning, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Yeah. That's in Romans. People forget about that. There's, there's this whole missing spiritual aspect of their theology that's just gone that Orthodox understand. Because another thing is the Orthodox operate off the Septuagint. The Septuagint has a little bit of a different, not a, okay, the Septuagint is not like a, oh my gosh, it's a different Bible than the Hebrew Bible. No, it's a Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible with more Messianisms in it with, you know, that is, uh, but that was the Bible of the early church. What uh, Facts that people don't know. Uh, Jews Jesus quoted time, from it. All of the, the New Testament is based on a Greek translation of the mm-hmm. Hebrew Bible which was the standard Bible in the days of Jesus. And oh, by the way, the vast majority of Israelites in the day, in the time of Jesus spoke Greek. Now, did mm-hmm. Jesus speak Greek? Probably not. He lived in, in poor Israel. He lived Israel, in stick town. Israel was the, was the sticks. Other than Jerusalem, it was like New Jersey, where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> <Hi, Baron. laughs> there you go. But the thing is, is that uh, I'm, I live in North Carolina. Now, by the way. Uh, I would never go back to I lived there. That's a great but, state. I love New. I love, love North Carolina. Uh, oh New heck Jersey's yeah, around. man! But uh, but um, you know, New Jersey's got some fine, fine people. Please, I, it's still a good place, right? But I don't ever, ever really want to live there again. <laughs> but <laughs> Jesus was from Nazareth. What what good can come from Nazareth, right? This is a quote about the the general poverty. The only people who lived, like Alexander the Great, conquered that part of the world. What two hundred years before Christ? And the and the Jews to make money, Israelites through to make the Hebrew people moved throughout the Roman Empire, and the the bulk majority of them spoke Greek. So the mm-hmm. Greek Septuagint was their Bible. Yeah. And so the New Testament doesn't quote Hebrew; it quotes the Greek Septuagint. And that's the thing is that uh, 
when we start looking at the how the orthodox view things which is a much more of an experiential faith is much more of a of a uh you know a spiritual warfare and a struggle against the passions and a recognition of these spiritual realities which are the realities Mm -hmm. This physical reality, which we can see, is like the wavelength, just like you said, I love what you said, the wavelength wavelength of what we can see. Mm -hmm. But the wavelength, imagine if we could, oh man, imagine if you could see uh, the unseeable things. Uh, yeah. when you, when you, Dude, would it be a blessing or a curse to have the vision of a mantis shrimp? I mean, there you go. Like, you know, look at, look at the spiritual realities. When Dude. Jesus says, if you had this faith, the size of a mustard seed, mm -hmm. you could tell this mountain to pick itself up and throw itself into the heart of the sea. So the reality is that even the faith that we have, even if even deeply revelated, we're still not scratching the surface of, you know, when people forget that it's not, God didn't say, Moses, go down and raise your right arm and I'll symbolically and I'll split the sea. No, he said, Moses, go down and raise your right hand and split the sea. Mm -hmm. So Moses is the one that did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, this is just, again, spiritual realities, spiritual one, realities, spiritual One warfare. minor thing that I think is interesting is the word Nazareth itself uh, derives from the, the word like a shoot or a branch. So it literally means stick. He was from the sticks. <laughs> That's I did not know that. Did not know that. Yeah, it's a, I know. it's interesting. Oh. I love that. Um, you know, that's it's a wonderful. That's the the most powerful thing of uh, about that that whole situation. Uh, I remember, what is it in? Uh, is it in Micah? Is where he says, uh, "O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are the least of the tribes, least of the tribes of Judah, Judah, yet shall I bring forth from you." messiah from from time everlasting that's the that's the thing is that that's yeah, that's the promise that he's that jesus is fulfilling that herod you know freaks out and tries to kill all of the all of the children in the time of christ at the at the joseph's flight right the the parallels between jesus's birth story and moses so wild i love yeah. like when you when you read the new testament and i've read mostly that and then i i'm going in between these two things right now and so mm -hmm. I'm, i i read about uh you know the pharaoh killing all the children then i read about herod killing all the children mm -hmm. and you I, I hear you know it's in he's it's in egypt he came out of egypt jesus hid in egypt came out yes. of jesus out of egypt i mean there are these very obvious parallels that that say to, that tell us that Jesus is the uh, perfected form, in some sense, of the image of God, absolutely, but also he is in the line of both David, which there are parallels there as well, which I can't really, I don't remember off the top of my head right now, um, but you see these parallels between him and Moses, and it's like that's that prophet and the king, mm -hmm. and because that's how kings worked, especially in that time where there were priest kings, like... Um, Melchizedek, the he priest is, king. Jesus is Melchizedek. I don't, I don't, Jesus, that Melchizedek is nothing more, in my opinion, than a theophany of Jesus Christ. And I think that's very clearly what, what the writer of Hebrews 7 is trying to say. It's like, look, there was this king who had neither lineage nor this nor that. Because Melchizedek means what? It means the king of righteousness. It means the prince of righteousness. He does what? He has bread and wine with Abraham. And Abraham had not yet been given the sign of circumcision. And that's when Abraham was justified. How? 
by faith. So how are we? So now Jesus is now you could look at it either way. You could say, well, Jesus is the more perfect revelation of Melchizedek, right? Yeah. Taking that soft root. But I, I'm just, I said, no, I, 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 Melchizedek is a theophany in my opinion. And and that's, that's the thing, you know, you hear of the angel of the Lord. Most people kind of just throw that in the back. Like, Oh, it's a, it's an angel. It's like, bro. Nope. Nope. The See, angel of Yahweh is Yahweh. Is the Lord is Jesus. That's Jesus personally. Literally, not, there yes. are traces of Trinity throughout the Old Testament. Yes. Michael Heiser did a wonderful job of tying all that together, talking about how personhood is ascribed to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. He he did made a stirring remark. He he bashed all of them. He said anybody who says that the Trinity was invented late. And that the Trinity is something that a bunch of Christians just came up with with later councils has a deep ignorance of the Old Testament. He was pissed off. And that's righteous. Yeah. That's righteous indignation, by the way. Righteous indignation is what? It's not when I'm angry. It's not when I put stub my toe and I'm mad. It's not when my kids put something in front of the lawnmower and now I have to move it off. It's not when, you know, you're having a fight with your significant other. It's nothing like that. It's when the character of God is affronted. Yeah. And now you feel that slow burning anger in yourself. And you're like, how can they say that? And, uh, but back on I that. Mean, I would liken it just real quick. I would liken that feeling to when anyone has a side word about my wife. Mm. I don't care what you think of that woman. If you, if you don't treat her right, if you don't speak about her right, we're going to have issues. But that's the, um, I'm trying to think of how I, I mean, you know, as a Marine, I'm used to being angry. So it's okay with all anger. Is okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Paul says, be angry and sin not. And there's a lot of people who will counter righteous indignation or an idea like that. Oh, how can you say there's righteous indignation? Well, because you need to realize that in Galatians at one point, Paul says, I wish the people who taught you circumcision had missed and chopped off and didn't finish the whole deal. Do you think he wasn't a little pissed off when he said that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real, he's there's there's like these there's people who don't understand that Jesus rose uh, raised his voice a lot. Yeah. Matthew twenty three is the fieriest. Oh, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! I mean, for you to, yeah, I mean, this is the angriest, fieriest prayer in the whole Bible. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets! How often would I, like a mother hen, have gathered you under my wings like her chicks, but you would not. So you will see me no more. Until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Until you say, Hosanna, to me, to Jesus. How right? much worse for you than it was, it'll be for Sodom and Gomorrah? It'd be, yes. And that's, that's, wow. See, what is this? This is God in the flesh come down. He said, before I sent you Isaiah, before I sent you Jeremiah, before I sent you Ezekiel, now I've come down personally to tell you in person that until you recognize me, until you recognize the way that I'm giving you, you will see me no more. And that's a that's a very powerful moment in the Bible. And there's people. See, and that's something that, you know, as a quick aside, false Jesus is preached all the time by preaching just the happy parts of Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, somewhere in next Sunday and last Sunday and the Sunday before that, there was a sermon on Jesus meeting with the woman at the well and how this was breaking cultural norms and how, right. wow, isn't Jesus so awesome? But how many people, and Jesus is awesome, but Jesus is also awesome when he says, whoever comes after me and does not hate mother or father, husband or wife, son or daughter, brother or sister, even his own life and take up his own, his, his own cross 
cannot be my disciple. For who among you would start building a tower unless he started to count the cost first to see if he has sufficient to finish it? Or else he'll get half finished and people will point at him and make a mockery saying, this man did not have the strength to finish. You won't hear them, a lot of that from the pulpit because that's not very cash money. It's it's not very cash <laughs> that's money. not very cash money, no, is it? <laughs> oh, just, just a quick thing. We don't need to... To focus on this, but you may, you're making me think of the prosperity gospel. Did mm. you see that Creflo Dollar um, so called repented? Yeah, yes. so he did might. what now? He repented, sort of. Yeah, yeah. go he, ahead. What? I'm not gonna say. I, look, I I watched that video like one time. I did see about it. I did hear about it. I know who Creflo Dollar is just because I've heard a lot about. I know a little about you know Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Creflo Dollar. These are all prosperity preachers. Uh, mm. You know. And the prosperity, the word of faith. I have a friend of mine who's a fellow fellow Marine. Uh, he was a Marine in the 80s, a little older than me. Tough to talk to because, you know, the anointing's not a respecter of person. So when he's wrong, I kind of like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, at any rate, he's got a, he's got a, uh, a spiritual, oh, I'll just say it. He's got a spiritual heart on uh, in, in complete anger against the word of faith movement, against any of this word of faith manifestation. Yes. Life. Gospel. Uh, yes, life and death is in the tongue. From the mouth proceed mm -hmm. blessings, both blessings and cursings. Brethren, this ought not to be. Why? Our mouths have power. Our mouths yep. have power. You speak curses over yourself, you spoke curses over yourself. Mm -hmm. You speak blessings over people, you spoke blessings over them. But that's not an excuse for people to speak a Cadillac into their life. That's that's well, not that's it's Ooh. The more disgusting part of it isn't even the Cadillac. The The most disgusting part of it is that this is – I had a friend who went to a Word of Faith church, and uh, I, I think I mentioned this recently. He uh, went camping and got, accidentally got into some poison ivy, covered hmm. like all over his side in poison ivy, so he couldn't play the drums. He typically played the drums in the worship band, and uh, he couldn't play them that week. He couldn't show up the first week, and then the next week he still couldn't play. Too much soreness, couldn't do it. And his pastor looked at him and said, the only reason you have that is because you don't have enough faith. <sighs> and it's th th this is the, the people who are saying, hey, you know, if if you don't have the car, if you don't have the house, it's because you didn't have faith. And it's like this is not a this is not gospel this is not good news you can't take that to africa where people have aids from birth and be like it's just because you didn't have faith bro no this is no gospel at all it's it's bondage yeah it's that's how you know something is not the gospel when it's bondage listen again i love sign i speak tongues i affirm that it's a it's an unknowable and ineffable language right but the problem is that you get spiritually prideful people like the oneness Pentecostals who say, or it, that's what, again, you were, you know, I were talking about that. That's the reason we've sort of had a soft falling. I, I love the AG, but we've still had a soft falling out with them because one of their 14 truths is that the initial 16. sign 16, sorry. I thought it was 14, but the 14 what, are okay. There are two yeah. in there. I can't remember. I think it was uh initial sign of the Holy spirit and, or yeah. And then um, they have an S eschatological stance in their fundamental truths yes yeah they they are pre-tribulationists as part of their fundamental that's so uh, wow it's but, so weird and and yet uh craig keener whom i love who's a great one of my favorite living biblical scholars today uh he had a so he went to ag's bible college and he had a falling out with them too because he said the only way you can justify a pre a pre-tribulation rapture is really by 
ignoring context and chopping verses apart in into pieces. That's the only way you can get there. It's yeah. it's not it's not it's like people talk about First Thessalonians four. Well, how about for One Thessalonians one? Talks about the wrath of God. I mean, but uh, with with regard to you know that's charismatic chaos. That's cha- that's charismatic uh, stuff that's taken. Like let's just manifest. Let's uh, when I use the term manifest, I mean manifesting spirits, right? Let's manifest. Let's get signs to come out and not really test them with the name of Jesus Christ. All that stuff needs to be tested with the name. Everything needs to be tested according to God's word, right? According to God's word. Imagine that. And by the name of Jesus Christ, like when when the Bible says the word of God is alive and active, they're really talking about the gospel and the yeah. name of Jesus Christ. We've been given a name, which is both our Lord's name and a weapon, right? That's the purpose of the of the, the and the power of the name and authority. But when it comes yeah. back to word of faith doctrine, oh, you didn't have enough faith. Okay, one of my this is one of my favorite passages of the whole Bible. We're gonna go there real quick. Wait a minute, Second uh, Corinthians twelve. Second Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, the thorn in the flesh, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Where, how do you fit this theology that it is always God's will to heal into this passage? Well, yeah, it, it, like, okay, so we didn't, I did an episode last week about the charismatic gifts, about yes. the charismatic renewal, stuff like that. Uh, we had so many technical difficulties that we're going to have to do that again uh, and re record later, probably in the new year mm. again. But um, that was. Uh, one of the points that we talked about, because one of uh, we we recent I recently gained a very um, loyal fan who has read who who just sat down. He found out about us um, maybe a month ago. I'm not sure the exact timing, but he has listened to every single episode I have put out since then. I don't know <laughs> if he's finished yet, but he's been listening through them. That means all of my political stuff <clears throat> when i was going that ro- down that road with the podcast too mm-hmm. and like so i'm like he's he's dedicated because i i wouldn't want to listen to that again except for my <laughs> red pill of the weeks those are pretty good um those were super fun he he red asked a question he said you know why is it um that some people are healed heal, essentially why is it that some people are healed and some aren't and um i i you know i, I kind of went through it and i was like prosperity people would tell you that they should be or that they would be if god wanted them to be and i'm like this is not good (laughs) well see see now they would be if god wanted them to be for his purpose right what the the prosperity people try to teach is this kind of a works-based forcing god's hand to do miracles or something right well and that's what and that's kind of what i talked about was you know the purposes of god what might this be for how might this be witness etc um but he's All the only God's person Lord. who got a copy of that episode because I wanted to make sure he heard it. <laughs> right. 
And healings, healings are, are wonderful. I believe in healings. I believe in yeah. that we, we can lay our hands on people and, and people be healed. Uh, you know, St. Valentine in the, in the year 263, at a time when, oh, there had been a cessation. Well, he laid his hands on a young woman's eyes who had never seen in her life. It was the, the judge's daughter who sentenced him to death because the church was still under persecution by Rome. And she received her sight. And that's, you know, so that's the, but, but when we're putting the signs before the gospel, right. that's all you need for hyper charismatic. Yeah. You don't need there. You could even, you could even preach the gospel, but if you belittle the gospel behind the, the signs and wonders are a part of the promises of God. Right. But, but the whole promise of God is the gospel is salvation through our Lord Jesus. Right. This is what Corinthians is. The first, first Corinthians is all about. It's it's go. Let's get back to love, and then what does he do in First Corinthians fifteen thirteen? Let's get back to loving each other. If we don't, first of all, you all have divisions against each other, and I'm telling you that that's wrong. If if we don't love each other, First Corinthians thirteen, I have nothing. First Corinthians fifteen, hey, by the way, let's talk about the gospel again. How come there's some of you that have doubts about the resurrection, right? Because Paul is talking about not the resurrection of just Jesus. He's talking about the future resurrection which was hateful to Greeks at the time. That's part of the, that's part of the problem in Corinth. We're dealing with the Greek world and uh, they were Platonists and they, that's like an almost, almost an agreement with like the Gnostic ideas that matter was bad. Spirit is good. And that therefore still something that plagues the church today. All uh, of those old heresies are still going. It's the single greatest heresy in the church. It's the single greatest. There are people who have no matter idea. Is I, I'm not sure what that phrase okay. means. So, okay, you might have heard it said, sin dwells in the flesh. No, sure. no, it doesn't. Or similar. Sin is in the whole being. The wages of sin is death. The Gnostics are the ones that taught that once you get revelated, this was the second, this was the second big heresy. Colossians is sort of aimed at it. All of John's works is sort of aimed at it because John lived, outlived all the rest of the apostles, right? So into the second century, we start to see the rise of Gnosticism. What's Gnosticism? Gnosis means to know. The Greeks mean yeah. to know. Now, they were an enemy religion that existed before Christianity, and they kind of stole from Christianity and dropped Gnosticism on top of it. Because oh, you so the first, the first Mormonism. Yes, more or, <laughs> le more or less. But the thing is, they believe... It's not bad, that, dude. That's a good line. I mean, they taught that there's no such thing as free will, and they believe that all matter is bad. So their idea is that flesh is bad. Yeah. But the church countered this, uh, in, uh, for example, in the disputation of Archelaus and Mainz, and the bishop uh, said, God made man and made him very good. So the if, man, if people were to read the positivity of the theology of the ancient church, I think they would be floored by it. There's this idea of this, this dourness of like, oh man, I can't wait to escape and go to heaven. Right. That's what Bomb I'm talking about. That's Bombshell. the bombshell kingdom where of am heaven. i sitting right now kingdom of heaven <laughs> kingdom of heaven like bro it's not about the bible is not about going to a cloudy place called heaven it's about oh. the it's about the reconciliation of all creation by god yeah it's about the where marriage god of will, heaven and earth will dwell on earth and reconcile all of creation that's the goalpost and the early church was not confused about that yeah. Today, if you bring that up, they're people, well, you know, we're, you know, we're going to the, somebody's homecoming, home going, right? They say yeah. we're going to a home going. Well, 
Heaven is God's throne, but it's basically a waiting room for the second coming of the Lord. It, there, then there will be the, the glory like never before. Then First uh, Thessalonians 4 was been read at funerals for centuries. Um, the the uh, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, how that when Christ returns, he'll return with uh, the dead, and the, the dead in Christ shall rise first. That, that was read at funerals for centuries and still is in the Orthodox tradition because there's this understanding that there will be a full resurrection of the dead that's where the term yeah. rest in peace comes from but uh back so do you to, go ahead go just ahead. real quick and we don't have to go into it too deeply unless you want to do we could do another episode on that i mean um are you uh of the opinion are you a soul sleep guy or are you a intermediate state guy i'm gonna go ahead and and be contrarian and say that i don't try to over explain it Oh, absolutely. I just kind of leave it where it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, yes, I understand that there's uh, there's a lot, there's a good argument to be made. Uh, man, Christians would be shocked. Re if you were reading the history of the church, you're going to read about things like annihilationism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and you're going to read about things like uh, like soul sleep or that the, the dead that rest and wait for the second coming of the Lord. These are some of the perspectives that are very common. You're going to read about the harrowing. Oh, yeah. man, the harrowing. Like you will not, uh, man, today, Christians, you bring up the harrowing, right? You bring up yeah. the harrowing, right? That's Jesus descending to pull up the, the righteous dead yeah, right there. That's the, that icon, the Anasazi. You bring up the harrowing today and man, Christians will be like, what are you talking about? It's like, this was the common theology of the ancient church. It was commonly known that Jesus descended into Sheol to ransom up the righteous dead. Yep. And in fact, if you consider it, uh, yeah. What I've come to really think of, that was the ransoming of the Old Testament saints and the second coming of the rapture, the the catching up of the church is the ransoming of the New Testament saints. So the first was the reality of Christ, what victory over the grave. The second is the reality of Christ's victory over, he already has victory over all creation, but it's a symbol of, of the raising up and the translation of the sons of God and his victory over all creation, which is a something that an Orthodox Christian, if they heard me say, they'd be like, oh my gosh, is this guy an Orthodox Christian? Like they would yeah. they would not be surprised because you know that's that's like their theology to a T. Well, that's but, what uh, that's what's so funny is like my tip of regular co-host, um, Jessica, is yeah, Antiochian Orthodox. Very cool. Man, I'd love to meet her. Be uh, so she's great, cool. but she's she's just taking a sabbatical, having some rest. Right, she, right. She'll be back. Um, but uh, it's so funny because she, I was before she did that, she just talked to me a lot, mm. and so I would share my thoughts on different things. She'd ask me questions, and I would answer them. And so once she joined the church and was uh, catechumen, she would mm. take things I said to her priest, and mm. then the priest would be like, on the on the on the money. That's a, that's an on the money answer. And See, <laughs> that's fascinating. Isn't that fascinating that here you and I come from this charismatic background yeah. and there's been these kind of dots that the, that have, uh, I am not like the most studied person about Orthodox Christianity. I'm not a catechumen. Yeah. I've never even considered the process. Uh, there was a moment when I thought about it and I, uh, and I was prompted by, uh, uh, really by the Holy Spirit to watch this video again by 10 minute Bible hour. If you know him, he's a great, wonderful little YouTuber over here. He's a, I want to say he's a Lutheran and he goes around and interviews Christians of all different stripes. And he went around and uh, went around a Eastern Orthodox church 
and there was something about the fact that uh, what what got to me was that Constantine, there was the Holy of Holies, and the only people, it's not, it's a symbolic place where they would go take the bread and wine, the body and blood, and give it to everybody. But Constantine, the emperor, could go in by himself. Excuse that- me? There's that civil religion that so, uh, Revelation rails against. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Again, that's back to N.T. Wright. Because N.T. Wright talks about the, the, the kingdom of God is a spiritual thing. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within us. And there are dumb, dummies who almost said dumbasses. Now, I have said dumbasses. <laughs> but I'm the only there, one who hasn't said anything yet. There are people who Man, will say... Man, you heard me. <laughs> Sorry. There will people who will, who will say... Oh well, there, he Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in your midst because he was there. No, Jesus went on to say later, right? The kingdom of heaven is like this: a woman took yeast and leavened the whole dough. So he has placed the, you know, the, we're the ambassadors. We're little tabernacles, we're, man. We are tabernacles. We are conduits of heaven. That's some Hallelujah Hulk talk. Ah, Oop-rah. I just but, followed uh, him today because I didn't know anything about him until you mentioned him. He's my my brother in Christ. I've been discipled under him for for several years. I mean, you know, we both have different focuses, but I look at us like two sides of the same coin. You know, we're both medically retired Marines. We both uh, are in great agreement on a on a great number of things. So I mean, like, uh, just uh, it is what it is. A great dude. <laughs> but um, that's the thing. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I view church history because as an apologist, I look at one of the greatest apologists of all time, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity is like required reading. Yeah. On Dude, I read the Screw Tape Letters in the fifth grade. That is terrifying. Such a good book. It's awesome. Oh, oh my God. Terrifying. Because yeah. you're like, man, yeah. all, all they all they need me to do is just not pray. That's all they need me to do. All they want to do is interrupt your relationship with God. They want you to hide yourself in shame. That's what they want you to do. They want Dude, you to. They're loose farmers. That's all they are. <laughs> you you need to explain that. What is, what is that? Loose farmers. Okay, so like, hold on, I gotta walk away from the computer in my truck so it doesn't hijack the audio again. Um, so like, uh, well, we we all like we're 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 solar powered people right we're we're beings of energy and i don't really know how to put this in correct theological terms because i just have a ged um but that's best kind but like when we for lack of any better terms and oh i hate how new agey it sounds but like the vibration that i operate at and the energy that i give off you know, like when it's low frequency, when I'm mired in fear or or doubt or or distrust or any of those negative things and all of the the other sins that, you know, that are listed that equally generate low feelings, you know, and then those little low feelings, they're a real thing. They're a frequency. And yes. and like now here's where it gets weird. So like there are beings that live off that low frequency stuff, just like there are beings that live off everything else, like everything else, everything that's alive lives off something else, man. And so like, and how they, do I know what those beings that live off that low energy, that louche, how do I know what they look like or what they operate as or how they feed? But all I know is when I generate it, when I allow yes. the world the, just the world to not be the paradise that it, that it is, that it can be, that it's it's just like if I allow the Lord to show me, 
the paradise that is around me for 30 seconds a day, he's totally willing to do that. Like every single day. Yes. I don't know. So that, like, that's, that's what yeah. a loose farmer is. Any, any, anyone or anything that perpetuates that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I agree with, I agree with you. Uh, so one of the things I've noticed, so for some reason, my entire life, I am a person that people ex implicitly immediately trust. Like it, that's been a frustrating thing to me at times because people will also confess their sins to me for some reason, or they did when I was younger. Like I would, uh, I would be at work and, you know, I, I, uh, waited until, uh, my wife to do the, the, the dirty business. So it could be clean business when I did it. Um, right. And every time someone found that out about me, they would sit there and confess all of their sins to me as if, what was I going to ab ab absolve them of their, their sin? No, it's weird. But one of the things that I, I noticed over time was there were a lot of girls that ended up either liking me or being close friends with me who had been um, sexually abused, who had a history of cutting, of, you know, some of these kind of really hard things. And so like almost every, like I was uniquely prepared for any situation going into marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was fascinating about this is a lot of times when a woman is sexually assaulted, it keeps happening. And I do truly believe that there are demons that are following around that woman and getting that energy and destroying her, getting off on destroying her. And then they're the ones that are hanging out around those dudes, the predators. And it's like there's blood in the water. Yeah. And I, so I totally agree with what you're saying. Suffice it to say. So one of the things I'll say is that uh, in apologetics, in the defense of the faith, we have to draw syllogisms. So for some people who might see this and be like, oh, that's not in the Bible. No, but it's a biblical principle that we're talking about here. For example, uh, one, of the best, one of the best explanations I've ever heard for the unseen realm, for, for angels and demons, came from, above all people, the atheist Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan was, of course, as you know, an uh, astronomer, a very, very influential astronomer. And he talked about, um, what is it, the tetrahedron, the, four, the fourth dimensional, right? So it looks like a square, tesseract. the tesseract, that's right, I'm sorry, yeah, I have the term all Either way, it works. But anyway, tesseract is that fourth dimension where there's a square within a square. And he showed this awesome, there's a, the videos on YouTube somewhere, man, I should react to it or something, where he's like, imagine if a three-dimensional object, an apple, came down and interacted with a two-dimensional object where there's only high depth. So Mr. Square is on the paper and Mr. Apple comes down and Mr. Apple tries to say hello to Mr. Square. Well, Mr. Square would think, well, that voice just came from within me because he has no perception of up and down. He has only a perception of, of uh, he has no perception of the uh, what's Z-axis. He has only an X-Y-axis. He doesn't have an up and down axis. He doesn't have the Y axis. He can't see. He only see. Yeah, he sees flatland. So when the now this is get this, Carl Sagan said if he could see the three dimensional object at all, it might look like this. He took the apple, dipped it in some ink, pressed it on the paper, and there were three dots. And I'm like, oh my lord, this astronomer just basically explained the Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> the the Bible Project, uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins did a video on God. Yes, that I've looked seen at the it. Same one. Yep. And uh, it's I let me tell you, you're mentioning people you love. 
I I love Tim Mackey, dude. He's an, an, another amazing biblical scholar. Um, uh, he, he well, the thing I love about him is, I mean, he is very good at what he does, but he makes me interested. Yes, he gives me stuff to hunt down, and that's yes. what I've been. That's what I do now. <laughs> the uh, Tim Mackey was getting back to the realities of again the early church. Uh, Michael Heiser, both of them are Hebrew scholars. Both of them are Hebrew Bible scholars. Um, I remember he gave a brief discussion on the gospel because a lot of people don't know that in the, one of the videos that you saw, you were talking about, which was huge for me, it's still huge, was me talking about the kingdom gospel. The early church, there's not, there's no such thing as two gospels. Right. Paul did not preach a different gospel. Paul is writing letters to explain things to churches to reconcile specific types of problems. We see Paul preach the kingdom gospel in Acts 17. He says, he signified the day on which he will judge the world by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But uh, the gospel, uh, Tim Mackey gave an awesome uh, lecture on the gospel. And he said, Mark 1.15, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. What's the good news? That the kingdom of heaven is at hand through our king. Our king has arrived. He has come down. He's, he, and now he has ascended. That's the good news of the gospel that all can be partakers in the kingdom of the of God. So but, I was just going to say, and that's why I like that's been one of the things I've said a lot recently is I am all kingdom all the time now. Yes, I I don't do any of the old things I do. I don't care about a lot of the old stuff that really got me riled up. It's about mm -hmm. kingdom. It's about mm -hmm. gospel. It's about Jesus. Otherwise, I have I have no interest in it. The you know, I thank God that he's delivered me from that too. I'll blame N.T. Wright for some of that. Uh, N.T. Wright's awesome book, How God Became King. He goes to great lengths to talk about how, well, not that great lengths, but the, there's sections of, the, of that book where he talked about how, and I, it's one of the ones I had studied for Liberty. And uh, he talks about how in America, a lot of Americans have taken conservatism or liberalism and lumped it into the gospel. I'm sorry. But this is conservatism. This is liber. This is the kingdom. Yep. The kingdom is above both of those things. Yeah. You know, uh, conservatives and liberals both have a bit a kernel of truth, but the full truth is Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is the way, yeah. the truth, and the life. The full truth yep. is Jesus. And the problem yeah. is, is that Jesus outlines a higher standard than either of their simplistic left or right worlds. And let's not forget, conservatives and liberals alike. Whichever side of the aisle you sit on, uh, people sit on. I thank God I sit on neither side of the aisle. Amen. They both think they can make the world perfect. Right. You will excuse right. me, but the world will only be made perfect at the second coming of our Lord. And what's interesting about it is the right believes that they can fix the world. Yes. And the left believes that they can fix people. That's, yeah, there you go. The right, the, I was, I was one of the big conservative right, like Milton Friedman, you know, Ayn Rand, libertarians, Ayn Rand hated Jesus. Ayn Rand is an anti-Christ. Yes, she was. The Bible says there are anti-Christs, plural. There are yes. many anti-Christs who have gone out into the sure. world. And Ayn Rand and Karl Marx are both anti-Christs. Ayn Rand's discussions about free markets. Okay, so is free markets the gospel? Can free markets make people better? The only thing that can make people better is the, the finished work of the cross of Jesus. Hey, uh, just little interesting point hey whip uh before i i uh threw all that crap off uh what was my shtick what was what was my political shtick oh i thought every 
I only watched you for your hair. I had the sound muted the whole time. My hair's gone now. No, I shave it. I'm pretty sure that it was okay. So like the whole quadrant thingy, you're the dude down in the like the bottom, bottom like right. off the quadrant. Yeah, on the bottom <laughs> right. Yeah, just like one or two off. I don't know. Right. That's kind of what I picked up. I had a strong libertarian phase before mm. it was called the mad ones. Sure. It was called make liberty great again. <laughs> um, and it, I, I definitely fell within the um, ideas of anarcho-capitalism in some sense. I do, um, yeah, yeah. But I don't care about any of that at all anymore. Yeah. Now see, and see, <laughs> so you know uh, that even back then I started to recognize that anarcho-capitalists were taking it too far. And the thing is, is that. They're, they think the solution is free markets. So the answer, so another way that I like to explain it is leftists think they can uh, make the world better by making people better. And that is utopia yeah. for them. That's the perfect world for them, right? That's their substitute for Christ. A friend of mine says constantly that antichrist really means substitute for Christ. And that's really what it means. And it means that there's a substitute for the kingdom. And that substitute is Babylon. Is Babylon. It's the leftist utopia. But check it out. Libertarians say... We can only get this good. Excuse me, but is that not also a utopia? That they're saying we can I mean, only these get these are all different utopias. This is all we can do. This is as far as we can go. If you ask me, if we look at uh, a lawless world, lawless and godless world, I would honestly tell you that anarcho-capitalism fits that vision far better than than bureaucratic, you know, Marxism. Bureaucratic Marxism entails lots of laws and oppression, yeah. but uh corporations running the whole world and everybody can basically kill each other and themselves however they see fit that's <laughs> that's the end times too isn't it i mean oh canada oh uh, there good lord <laughs> man <laughs> australia yeah. i so and that's what's God funny is like i truly don't care about politics at all anymore i don't follow that's that. where i am i don't care um but if someone pressed me and was like no but what's your political like what are you what's your label i had to make one up which is pa a patient monarchist <laughs> waiting for the yeah, there you go waiting for the second coming of the lord yep that's it that's all I got. I, i'm willing to there's there's things where i'm willing to say that as responsible christians if we are part of a, the democratic process we don't get to take this that's another anti-rightism right anti-right has this wonderful talk where that he's like that's like gnosticism I'm saved. That's all I care about. So I don't need to be uh, involved in the process anymore. No, that's you still, we still have a responsibility. Paul J James says, what, if any knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is a sin for him. So I think good Samaritanism fit into the, to like, like just the philosophy of being a good Samaritan. Where's that, that fit in on okay. what you're talking about right now? Okay. So define what you mean. Let's, I mean, go over it for everybody else too. You, I, I just kind of like, I clicked on it because that last sentence you said about doing the right thing. Yes. Like if you don't see, if you see the right thing to do and you don't do it, like that's basically a sin, dude. Like you should be doing the right thing right. for the right reasons. And, and it's pretty simple. It's I, not always easy, but it's pretty simple. Yeah, it's you know? hard. It's hard. The good it's Samaritan hard, took the hard path. But that's the point. Yeah, that is the whole That's that the, point. the point. The how do I know that the how do I know that heaven is just, you know, I don't get any of these experiences. I don't cut myself. I don't get any of these scars. I don't have any of the stories that go with them or any of the, you know, any of the any of the any of the growth that comes from each and every almost each and every one of them. 
you know, like, I don't know. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, again. well, look so at, do look, the right thing. Look at Paul, lead. look at Paul in Acts, in the book of Acts, they stoned Paul nigh unto death, but he goes back into Lystra where they stoned him, strengthening the spirits of the apostles and telling them through great tribulation, do we enter unto the kingdom of God? Yeah. So it's not supposed to be easy. But so much of Christianity today is teaching an easy faith. And and the, really the reason for that is because of tribalism. Yeah, I'm not an apologist for tribalism. There's a lot of apologists out there for sectarian tribalism. I'm not here to be an apologist. C.S. Lewis is beloved across the realm of Christianity because he defended the whole faith in a way that everybody could grab a hold of it. Yeah. There's a lot of people who claim that they're apologists, but they're only apologists for their flavor of the Kool-Aid. Yep. They're only, you don't, you, if you don't agree with me, then we're then, and, and granted there's things where I draw the line. Like, you know, we talked about Torah observance before, right? But uh, in general, there's uh, the first Corinthians chapter one is all against sectarianism. And the thing is, it's all supposed to be hard when, when that's one of the things that the Orthodox embraces, the suffering of the faith. That's a huge thing about uh, Orthodox Christianity. They look at, the the church is as a suffering servant the bible says fellowship in his sufferings fellowship in the sufferings of jesus so i mean that that good samaritan uh there's a uh a rather faint there's several famous dispensational baptist preachers who've tried to say oh jesus gave this as an example of something that you will never do oh no you can do it and when you fall that short, was the you, point anyone could have done it he, he was passed by a ton of people and it was just the one dude that stopped like it's that he simple did, he did the right thing. And guess what? But what they try to say is, oh, well, Jesus is saying we're always in need of him. Yes, when we don't do the right thing, we've been given the doctrine of, of confession. We've been given the doctrine of repentance. We've been, you know, I could say, hey, man, you know, oh, yesterday there was this guy who was, you know, uh, clearly needed help and I didn't help him and I just feel rotten about it. So we've been given that. Uh, but at the same time, we're to, we're to shine our light before before men that glorify our Father in heaven. And the thing about the Good Samaritan is where Jesus ties him up is that the Good Samaritan is he ties him up because Samaritans uh, could not be considered neighbors under most, under the law. But they were considered this separate class of people. So the lawyer is a racist, and he doesn't want to admit that a Samaritan, this this carpenter from Nazareth, has just sewed up this wise lawyer who's represented in court, people in courts based on the Torah by telling him that everybody is your neighbor. Everybody is your neighbor. How about that? And he made him look like a fool. So much so that when he, Jesus says, which one acted like his neighbor? Did he say the Samaritan? No, he said the third one, the third one. Because it was disgusting to him that Jesus had just proved that a Samaritan that a Samaritan was a better neighbor than all the others. That's a big part of the of uh, the purpose of that story. Yeah. Well, I think that that's uh, for me. Like I said, I'm I'm on mission. I have a mission, mm. uh, but I do believe in part of my part of my deal is communicating truth. Um, that's what I, I felt like I was called to. Um, and so uh, some of that's having conversations like this, asking questions, talking through things, trying to understand them. And the other half of that is calling out the lies wherever they are. And so, you know, my I I'm not a part of the system. I don't want to be a part of the system. It's it's kingdom only for me. Mm. But I am almost every day of the week on a show called The Propaganda Report uh with my friend brad and we tear apart all of the propaganda that gets sent to us through the media well so, I, 
I do both things. It's an everyday listen. Uh, the the gospel is political. This yeah. idea, mm-hmm. this idea that politics don't belong at the pulpit. There's nothing that doesn't belong at the pulpit. Everything belongs at the pulpit. Some fat men are afraid of losing their LLC, yep. and so they don't want to get political. <laughs> but the reality is, is that if we're, if we're responsible members of the kingdom of God then Jesus has particular things. I'm just going to drop a bombshell. I rejoice that we just at least had some victory over abortion not too long ago, right? And this is part of the kingdom ethic. You can't tell me that faith is not political when it's a clear understanding among so many Christians that that's just wrong. And there's no way that that can be acceptable in the sight of God. In the same way, like, who was it that overturned slavery? Christians. Who was it that overturned the civil rights problem? Who, who other than Dr. Martin Luther King, one of the, the, the probably the great, the greatest Christian of the 20th century, right? And people try to say, "Oh, he was social gospel." Man, that is the devil speaking. That is the devil speaking through people's lips, so trying to I'm... label Dr. Martin Luther King as social gospel to try and cheapen his witness when every single one of his sermons was focused on the second coming of the Lord. I mean, wow. And and just you know that's the how gospel. dare you put him in the same boat as Woodrow Wilson? <laughs> how dare you? But that's uh, that's the thing is that uh, the gospel another that's another huge anti rightism because when Jesus anti right made the point and I loved it I thought it was great when Jesus says render unto Caesar what is Caesar render unto God what is God's he's not talking about a separation from, of church and state who owns Caesar God owns Caesar. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He has set it upon the pillars. So Caesar owns nothing. He's actually quoting and calling to mind Jesus. Uh, this is N.T. Wright's point. Uh, the Maccabees, which is a Deuteronomy, uh, Deuterocanonical uh, canonical book. Uh, it's an apocryphal book. Um, when Josephus Maccabeus said, we will pay the Syrians, but we will pay God the law. So in other words, he's saying that God is the higher authority here. When Jesus is yeah. saying, when Jesus says, render unto Caesar what Caesar's render unto God was God's, there's people who are twisting that and twisting that and making it into a separation of church and state. The church is a state. The church is a people. A monarchy. Yeah. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the ambassadors of our king. So there's no way that you can't. Uh, so this, this, in, these innovations, these ideas that politics don't belong at the pole. Yes, there's, uh, sure, it's ridiculous when people get up there and they're like, uh, you probably tell who I'm going if you're a Democrat, you can get out. <laughs> you're a Democrat. I don't you know if you saw my TikTok. But that's uh, that's ridiculous. That's not what we're talking about. Go on, go on. No, I was just saying, I don't know if you saw my TikTok from several days ago, but there was this pastor and he was like, someone had said something about not really liking the um, MAGA hat in his office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like, oh, well, I'm just an associate pastor, but let's let's take a look over. And he goes into the main, the head pastor's office and shows him them his MAGA hat. And I'm like, you're going to you're going to push people away that need you mm. if you do these things in the church. Let's mm. not let's not make it take the team colors into the church. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we don't need to do that much. Well, yeah, and, and one of the things I'll tell you that's back to an issue of righteous indignation, isn't it? Oh, Did John so the bad. Did John the Baptist, did he just say, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. All of you be washed with the baptism of repentance. Make straight the way of the Lord. No, 
You read his words and you can hear him hollering off of the page. Oh, he's fucking Who told screaming. you to oh. come out here, you, you brood of vipers? You whitewashed who, tombs. Who told you to come out here and flee the coming wrath? Already the axe is to the root. John the Baptist was, was uh, you know, there's some Messianic Jews who have theorized that John the Baptist, being miraculously born, was being raised to be the high priest, and that's partly where he got his clout. It's like, wow, Johannan, double Levitical son. You need to be double Levitical, both his mother and his father. They, th they, some of them think uh, Jonathan Kahn was talking about it. Some, I think somebody else was talking about it. That they think John the Baptist was being raised to be the next high priest. Because also, what is the high priest supposed to do for the next high priest? Supposed to wash him? Well, what did John the Baptist do? He washed the ultimate high priest. He announced the the Messiah. He's the greatest of all the prophets because he announced Jesus. So I mean, but that's back to that righteous indignation. But he also gave balanced advice to people. Uh, there, a lot of people have asked me as a former Marine, as a 12 year Marine veteran, they said, uh, you know, uh, man, I got into a fight with some people over, over this on, over on dumb, you know, clock app, uh, where they're like, Oh, oh you can't be a Patriot and be a Marine. I, I'm telling you right now, I've had more religious experiences in the service, but at any rate, uh, John the Baptist advised soldiers. He said, take no more than your job require uh, than your job requires to, well to the taxpayers. Right, he he gives advice to the to the soldiers, the first Christians among the Gentiles, the first followers. Of, excuse me, first followers among the Gentiles of the Christians were Cornelius the centurion, his men and their families, soldiers. And there's no way that they stopped being soldiers. They had a, an indebtedness to Rome. You signed up for like a 25 year contract back in those days. <laughs> so I mean, there's just no way that he got he was getting out of that. But at any rate, so, but. Yeah. With righteous indignation, I think to, to really tie that piece together, it's about affronts to the character of God. Uh, when we see, and now we need to be careful of the cognitive dissonance. There's people who have been taught one thing their whole life, and the minute they hear something else, all of a sudden it's like a bombshell went, went off, and now they're going to defend you know, the views of Christianity that they've been taught. But what are they defending really? They're defending these glasses right here. They're defending... Right the lenses that they've been taught to look at things. Dr. Mike uh, Heiser in Unseen Realm talks all about that. He said, I was using lenses instead of seeing the whole Bible as this kind of a mosaic, this, yeah. this, uh, you know, look, trying to reconstruct the, the spiritual worldview uh, of the ancient church. Cause it is a spiritual worldview. Mm -hmm. There's rationalism is also the death of faith. Yeah. Because rationalism is turning God into nothing more than your salesman for life insurance. Yep. Just put your faith in Jesus and you're going to live forever. That's not, that's taking the deity out of God. Uh, Paul, the apostle, there's people, uh, the ancient church. Uh, so now this will piss some people off. Uh, Martin Luther, when he was having, when he was having, I love Martin Luther. I think Martin Luther was raised up by God for a purpose because he, yeah, we have he, the Bible because of him i mean basically it's not yeah. you know in his day he got 50 bibles printed and that was a triumph yeah right we forget that the bible didn't just break loose but martin luther i think was raised up for a reason but that doesn't mean that he was perfectly right about everything martin luther said it's the pope who teaches that the eucharist is a sacrifice amongst the gentiles the earliest christians talk about how the eucharist is a sacrifice amongst the gentiles that's straight out of the didache that's in the rule of faith. That's a mention. That's mentioned by all of the earliest Christians. When they, when Jesus said it's the body and blood, they said it's the body and blood. Not maybe not the tr transubstantiation is a later doctrine, 
but it's the body and blood. And also, they they turn try to turn these these things where these these are heavenly exchanges, the sacraments as we you could call them. These are these are moments where the fourth dimension and the third dimension collide. They are because yep. because G, Paul doesn't say in in First uh, Corinthians when Paul is talking about uh, the communion. He says, if any of you takes this in an unworthy manner, he'll, uh, some of you have, and some of you have become sick, and others of you are dead. Others of you are asleep because you've taken this in an unworthy manner. I'm sorry, but a little piece of bread and wine does not kill somebody. It kills you if you've eaten and drinking judgment on yourself because you've taken it in an unworthy manner. And people will say, oh, well, it's just symbolic. Well, okay, is your marriage just symbolic? Or was that, or did Jesus officiate over it? Jesus officiates over all of these things, right? The baptism. People say, yeah. oh, well, this is a symbol of, uh, I will, those words will never escape my mouth ever again. Paul says that our, in Rome, in Romans 6, Paul says that our baptism is our union with the death of Christ, that we are baptized into his death, that like as he was raised from the dead, so too, the, uh, the first fruit, so too might we be raised, for he that is dead is free from sin. So that, so when you, when you examine the, the hard beliefs of the ancient church and you start looking at it, I've I've had discussions with people about the history of the church, and I'm not a P. You know, I'm an apologetics guy. Yeah. I I study the history of the faith for my own, you know, out of my own love of it. But you start bringing this stuff up, and you hear just the the, the wild cognitive dissonance of like people who are be like, well, how did how did they believe that? Didn't they didn't they believe in the finished work of Christ? And like, how did you just say that? You're saying that the early Christians who were fed to the lions and crucified and burned at the stake were wrong? These are the men who were taught by the people who wrote this book, folks. That means that the doctrine that they're giving you, they learn from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, James, and Jude. Okay? Yep. That's who they learned yep. from. Well, and, it's, yep. and that's what's funny is like the, the marriage analogy. Um, is it a symbol? Yeah. Is it also something more? Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> so there it is. I mean, it's you can't have one without the other. It's not... It's um, these are symbolic of what they're symbolic of. They're physical symbols of spiritual realities. It's almost it's almost platonic. It's, it's it is, and that's why Platonism, which is another this is a semi heresy, snuck its way into the early church too, because uh, the some of the early councils, though uh, what's I believe it was Justin Martyr was a former philosopher. He used his former philosophy in the second century, 138. Very precious writings, early writings in the church. He used his former, philo uh, it was either him or somebody else that used their former status as a philosophy uh, philosophy person. Just like Paul in Acts 17, he appealed to the Stoics and the Epicureans based on Greek poetry to explain the gospel to them. In the same way, we can certainly look at Plato and, uh, and Socrates' story of the cave and say, right, well, when the child escapes from the cave and he goes back into the cave to tell all the other children, hey, there's something outside the cave. Well, and the early Christians would say, and that something is Jesus. Socrates didn't understand that because he wasn't Jewish. He didn't understand that. But that was that was a revelation from God given to Socrates to warm you up for the gospel of our Lord. But then you can see the problem is, the problem, just like Marxism, just like Randianism, Platon, Plato's view, Plato's Republic has a very different end state than Jesus's return. Yeah. The kingdom mm -hmm. and Plato's Republic can't be, they don't, no, 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 yeah. no way. I've read the Republic. I took four years of Latin and two years of Greek. I read the Republic and you, the Republic is not the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's just yeah. not.
And that's the problem is that there's a lot of these types of thoughts that seep their way into the church. Church history is like the most amazing study Bible you can ever read. Oh, yeah. Well, Whip, do you have any any things that came up during this that you think could be cleared up for the audience and yourself that uh, we may have spoken, you know, in Buddy, I, I made too a list. Hold here. on. Hold on. I made a list. I'm running to the truck. <laughs> oh, Good. Great. Great. <laughs> um, Man. Uh, yeah, no, that, and that's one, that's one of the interesting things is uh, the – the heresies or almost heresies that I see the most are the the first ones, the Judaizing, yes. the the Gnosticism, yes. which I think that kind of how we view uh, hum, human anthropology is very based within Platonism and Gnosticism, mm -hmm. and it's not biblical. And it's like earlier I was going to say, um, there are a lot of words that we use because of our English translations that are profoundly unhelpful. What? Which ones? Uh, hell. Okay. Yeah. Uh, soul. Mm -hmm. Because people miss miss it because they go and think about these Greek ideas, right? Yes, they they are importing our ideas about heaven and our ideas about hell are deeply influenced by paganism. Sure. Heaven um, is not some cloudy cloudy place where you're going to go with wings and play liars. Yeah. Yes, there are angels up there with wings and liars up there. I mean, that's biblical language. Let's be real here. That's, yeah. you know, up and down. But uh, our ideas about heaven and our ideas about hell are deeply influenced by medieval Christianity and medieval pagan. Deeply. Yeah. Deeply. The, the other the word that I would say is a little bit unhelpful in some ways, um, and this is going to be, this may piss someone off, is the word God. Because sure. a lot of times, do what? Sure. No, go on, go on. Because it's a title, sure, and it's it's it the way because I mean if you read God, a lot of times you're reading Adonai turned into the Lord, or you know you, there are different titles and there's a little bit of wiggle room, but this is the same word that is used for other spiritual beings. And that's a that's something that's a complete blind spot for ninety nine percent of modern, especially Western Christianity. You go into a Baptist church and you read Psalm eighty two, and they'll probably want to kick you out of there. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, and it's like, like it's like you uh, use the I'm word not, God. I'm not hating, but I mean, yeah, but if you use the word God, if you use the word soul, if you use the word hell, these words have become so muddied by the zeitgeist by uh, traditions of men that when you use them, people fill in the blanks before you get to talk about what they really are. What's what's hell in the mind of people? Hell is a place of uh, of little dudes with with uh, where Satan's know, in charge, where red, red horns and red pointy tails with pitchforks, right? And Dante's Dante's Inferno. First of all, Dante's Inferno is an interpolation of Virgil's works. Virgil, who was a Greek poet, oh. but and I've read that too. That was something else I read in Latin. Uh, I read uh, a, uh, a poet laureate of the United States at the time wrote a fantastic translation of Dante. And it's scary. But uh, the Divine Comedy, the Inferno, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the Paradiso, the Purgatorio. But the, the thing is, is that, yes, we have a, and I see what you mean. Is hell real? Yeah. But is hell, uh, hell has become this term that people lump on top of something that it's really, Jesus says it's outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm. 
we don't even understand what when we think of gnashing of teeth remember the old the 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 term of of gnashing of teeth is actually people who gnash their teeth at somebody because they hate them yeah they gnash mm-hmm. their teeth at me right mm-hmm. so the term of, of of the terms of hell are people who hate god yeah and the the concept of what again what is hell why is hell people say you can't bring that god is a relational being when we start talking about hell we start talking about heaven and hell and souls and salvation we forget that god is a part of this whole process right we forget that there's a being yahweh our yeah. lord jesus the holy spirit the father the son the holy spirit we forget that the, that god is god and he cannot dwell with sin and people say oh why why couldn't he change that rule it's like because he's why would you ask him to yeah it's like me saying to you hey cam you know I'll, I'll be on your show next month, but bro, you've got to shave your beard off. I just don't want to see it anymore. It's not right. It's, it wouldn't yeah. be right for me to impose on you. Like, uh, I want to be with you, but I'm going to cheat on you the whole time. Right. So can I, Make can I ask child cry again? Go, go on. <laughs> I was just going to, can I ask, uh, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but wh- where you fall in general in the, the hell discussion okay so those who who re- i look at this from an nt ray perspective those who rest in christ go to rest with the lord that's what i believe so and it says it throughout the bible it doesn't it's this is not like an abstract concept those who rest go to rest with christ um and in terms of hell man if you go to rest without christ i mean where the worm where the fire burn, where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not right I don't see that as just a futuristic reality. So I, again, it's one of those things that I don't try to over-explain. But at the same time, uh, we've got to recognize that uh, there's a great deal of language that has to do with the final judgment and with the lake of fire. Yeah. People say, oh, well, hell was a, it's a depart from me. <laughs> Matthew 25 is also a sermon that's not very cash money <laughs> from Jesus then, isn't it? At the final judgment, he says, I'll winnow the sheep from the goats. The standard is those who did not do what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I hate to say that. There's some people who will be mad that I said that, but that's the standard. Jesus, yep. says, there's there's those who I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me to drink. Lord, Lord, Lord. when, Lord, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or uh, I can't? One of the things that I can't stand, and I man, a red flag goes off in my head whenever I hear it, is. If you if you're gonna talk about Bible context, you better draw your Bible context from the book that you're in before you go try to jump to another book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The context of Matthew 7, 20, 20, 21 through 23. Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of God, but only those who do the will of my Father which is in heaven. For on that day many shall profess unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not uh, cast out demons in your name? And in your name do, they say wondrous works. What this really means is miracles. Did we not do wondrous sure. works in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? But I shall say unto them, depart from me. I never knew you, ye workers of iniquity. That's like four standards. It's not just one standard. You need to understand that in the original language, that's four standards. But they'll try, you try to say to them. See, he says, Jesus says, only those who do the will of my father in heaven. And they'll be like, well, that's in John where he says, this is the word, this, and it's, They'll say, that's in John where he says, this is the work of, of God, that you believe on him which is sent. The will of my Father in heaven, according to Matthew 7, 21 through 23, is the Sermon on the Mount, folks. Jesus just got done belaboring the point in the entire Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. That's the will of God, of the Father which is in heaven. 
according mm -hmm. to that passage. You cannot jump to John and try to, to import some eisegetical crap because yeah. it is eisegesis. You can do an eisegesis just by jumping to some different book for your context. you got to find your context for Matthew first in Matthew. And the context yeah. of that statement is the whole story. Because what happens next? The most the, One of the most important words in the Bible as far as context. Therefore. Therefore. The next words out of his mouth after that. And what does he say? He says, therefore, the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. But the one who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, I will liken him to a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. So Jesus got just got done explaining to you the entire will of the Father which is in heaven, mm -hmm. which is the whole Sermon on the Mount. Yes, the will of the Father is that we believe on him which he has sent. But you can't make Matthew 7 about Matthew 7, 21 through 23 about something that's in a whole other book. You have to first contextualize right there. That's where that's the first place we have to go. But yeah. you asked you had asked about uh heaven. So that's that's where I lie. I don't try to over explain it. Is hell yeah. real? Yes. Is heaven real? Yes. Is there a lake of fire and a judgment? Yes. Right. So what does that look I mean, like? I'm not talking about that. What does that, what does that look like? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I've been there. <laughs> uh, what what well, I have to say about it is that we our ideas about hell have been so. Look at look at Paradise Lost, where the devil rules in hell. Paul says mm -hmm. sin reigned and death by sin until the from the time of Adam until the coming of our Lord. Yeah. So there's a very different conception. There's a very different worldview at work in the Bible that a lot of people are not ready to talk about. Oh yeah. Sure. Which is that G the, the writer of Hebrews says that they had to wait until the coming of our Lord, God having something better in mind for them. That's what the harrowing is about. No soul could actually ascend to heaven until the coming of Jesus, which is something that, you know, is that why they all get brought up later? What so do you mean? They get their chance. Well, like, okay. So like all the people that died back then before Jesus, like, but everybody gets raised up, right? A total body reincarnation. Okay, or, so it, that's actually we, we could kind of look at it that way, but the judgment is not second chance Saturday, right? Paul <laughs> says it's not second chance Saturday. I'm saying sure, I'm just sure. saying that right now. Like, Good it's talk. not like, hey man, you you rejected Jesus in life, and now guess what? You you get it? No. Well, no. Oh, no, you made no, that. I mean, but like the dudes that like the dudes that never that like were there like before dude man was there Talk like those you. people the, the people who never sure. heard the gospel so yeah so that's that's a view that i kind of hold is that remember what what does paul say he says that all all of creation is a significant revelation for god he says that the the invisible attributes of god are made clear by what creation so that sure. man is without excuse so creation itself the earth is enough of a revelation for people to know the difference between right and wrong that's what Paul Go was play saying. in the dirt. Go play in the dirt. You'll figure it out. It's yeah. Like if you <laughs> do wrong and tell, I mean, tell me that you just first and, and then we could get back to that other concept of, do we even deserve, do we deserve the good? And that's, that's the answer is not really. It's all by God's grace. It's by, it's by his grace that we, that we inherit salvation at, at all or inherit the kingdom of God at all. Um, but, so I, this has been, we're nearing two and a half hours, so we should probably yes. start wrapping it up. Uh, Whip, please, please consult your list. Okay, 
so I want to make sure I have this name right. Michael Heisner. Heiser. Heiser. I can okay. give you that information. I'll put links to any books, which if you could send me a list of any books you recommend, uh, Zach, I'll yes. throw them in the I'll throw them in the description on everything. Sure. Uh, sure. I'll definitely few. put the Unseen Realm in there. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So um and then like we kind of touched on the annihilationism, the soul sleep and the harrowing. Where do I go to read about that? Oh wow. Um so wow. if you want to read <laughs> the case for annihilationism or also also called conditional immor immortality. Mm -hmm. Um one we did an episode with a guy named Chris Chris Date that you could actually just watch uh, us talk about it. Um, but they, the, the primary guy who talks about it and he's passed away now, um, was Edward Fudge mm -hmm. and the book was called a, a, the fire that consumes. Okay. Um, soul sleep. I don't, I do not have, I don't know if you have a, a book for this. I don't. Um, but there's a good book, um, kind of not, it's not about everyone, but if you, I forget what it's called. It's short and it's by N.T. Wright and it's, I believe it's called for all the saints. Mm -hmm. um where he kind of talks about this stuff um but soul sleep is is kind of fringe it's kind of in the adventist realm mm -hmm. um of things but uh, i don't have a great one i can just tell you if you read that book by nt Wright, that answers some questions I yeah nt Wright's a good good source on that and he's a good source on first century first and second century christian theology yeah. uh Sweet. that's i mean obviously if you're gonna if you're gonna boil down, you know, first and second century theology, you need to start reading like the Antonicene Fathers and the Fathers of the Church, right? These are translations of their writings. There's what one of the things that people don't understand, which I'll just touch on really briefly, is sure. you know, there was not this concept that the apostles had that they were writing a new testament. The new the Bible does not come from the apostles. Dum mm -hmm. dum dum. They wrote it, but it was in the fourth century when the church was again surrounded by heresies and they went to uh and and athanasius the great one of the most influential mm -hmm. bishops of all time and after he went he battled arianism and after late in his career they finally went to him and he said this is what i think the bible should look like this is what we should be teaching and on one accord as far as what the list of the bible is so that's that's where the bible comes from and yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to uh, poop in the cornflakes of people who are <laughs> head, over he head over heels in love with sola scriptura. But that's just the reality of the situation, folks. There's no yeah. test of canonicity. No, they sat down and they there was a common understanding based on uh, influential leaders in the early church about what the Bible should look like. So, well, that's yeah. why the apocrypha. Apocrypha. Yes. Apocrypha. Thank you. That's why that exists, right? Because yep. those dudes existed and they're like, no, we're just not going to, we'll just put this other stuff in. Well, remember. Or maybe some dudes like them. Well, remember, okay, so Athanasius Great wrote the 66 book list that we have today, period. But he also outlined some books that he thought were Deuterocanon. The Deuterocanon concept does not come from Martin Luther. That's a lie that, that a lot of a lot of our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ try to say. It's not true. They've, they've been told that by somebody who was wrong. The, the concept of what's Deuterocanon or Apocrypha is actually from people like Athanasius the Great, Jerome Eusebius. Jerome Eusebius sure. was a uh, translator who translated the Bible into Latin. Okay. If you're going to ask me, I'm going to tell you, I have a Catholic Bible over here somewhere. I have an Orthodox Dude, Bible Vulgate? as well. Yeah, I have a, yep. I don't have a, yep. I don't have a full, I want to get there. Oh man, there's a hot one that's side-by-side <laughs> Latin and English. 
I want to get that. It's like not a hundred dollars. It's like the size of a phone book, man. But, uh, uh, you know, I have a Latin background. I'm, not, I'm just above the sure. average bear. I didn't, I didn't maintain it well enough. Right. But, uh, I, if you're going to ask me, I'm going to tell you personally, I think that Christians should read the Apocrypha Deuterocanon. It was yeah. in the Bible until the 19th century. It's yeah, just, right. it, it's not to be read. But even the earliest Christians, uh, Athanasius said, this is not to be read and considered the equal of canon, right? It's not to be read and considered okay. the equal of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Sure. But things like Tobit, Judith, Maccabees, they're historical writings that flesh out the understanding of the Bible that was going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, and I would say one of the uh, a lot of my friends after reading or hearing about Heiser, Sons of God, and stuff are like, yeah. "Oh, you should read the I should read Enoch," and I'm like, "Ho ho 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 ho, hold on, you can, but you have to go in knowing what you're reading." <laughs> okay, I have a love hate relationship with Enoch. As somebody, yeah. anytime you 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 get into the history of the church, and you're going to have to deal with Enoch because okay. it's there. But let yeah. me tell you something that Enoch is not correct according to Genesis. It has it has it doesn't reflect the the timelines of Noah in Genesis. Enoch would not have been alive to meet Noah. Yeah. There's there's things that Enoch brings up that don't get brought up anywhere else. Yeah. So the problems that I have is that with the book of Enoch is not just with the book with the book itself, but it's really with people who pick up Enoch and that becomes their Bible. Right. They don't they <laughs> you can use it for context. You you can use An it. Understanding. You of can second temple period. <laughs> this there it is. The only thing I think that Enoch is really truly good for is understanding that there was a spiritual belief of like a heaven hell demons concept mm -hmm. within Second Temple Judaism. That's about okay. that's Enoch is a historical book that shows us that there were beliefs like like what the Christians eventually believed, right? Within Second Temple Judaism. But it's not it's like the movie Fight Club, man. Some people watch Fight Club and it just becomes their religion. And those people are really annoying, okay? Fight Club is a great movie. It's a fun movie. It's a great movie to watch with your bros and chew some popcorn. But it's not a movie that you should really like. First of all, it's a love story. Did you miss out on that? When <laughs> it's a whole it's Tyler Durden and Jack thing, right? And, uh, and, it's, and at the end of the story, it's all about him and the woman, right? So... Sure. Yet people like people read Enoch, but and it and they lose sight of the rest of the canon. There's a reason that Enoch is not canon. It's historically important. Yes, it is not canon, and that's that's the thing is that uh, we we got to trust that the Holy Spirit was working in the church to establish what the Bible was. Uh, historical nerds like us will will end up reading it probably, but there's just people who like. They become Enoch and Enochians, right? Yeah. They stop. They stop being Christians. Even it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I've seen so much unfortunate falling away because of that. Because yes. of that book. So, Whip, you said soul sleep. You said um, harrowing. Issue, so wasn't there a third one? There was. Uh, well, there was harrowing. Okay, the harrowing of hell. Um, yeah. Is is I don't have a book on that. That that's something that I've yet to really. Yeah, into it's a very there's plenty of other stuff to read thing. let me see so there was uh, a, my, go on oh no it's fine go ahead you know oh, he, well, i think he's looking something up isn't he i am oh, sure. i am yeah. um all right well then my final uh question was uh i really just the verse where he was like talking about um 
you you didn't get enough. You sh- I wish you had missed and shop. I'd like that uh-huh. one as well <laughs> in the list. That's in so, Galatians. And then that's my list. Thanks. Galatians. All right. I'm sorry. I don't know the verse chapter number off the top of my head. But I'll find it. Oh, I forget, man. I should just. <laughs> man. I should just. I should just finish the job right now. <laughs> right. But um, so the harrowing. Um, man, I see. I read the the fathers of the church. I've seen a lot of uh, discussions on the harrowing. One of the guys I will cautiously recommend. I'm not trying to. And I hate dropping names sometimes because Jay Dyer is an active uh, apologist for the Orthodox faith. And if you want to see a perspective and understanding of the harrowing, you can really check out some of his his discussion on the harrowing. Okay. Um, but one of the, I just want to point out that this was the common theology of the ancient church. It was common. Yeah. Almost okay. all the early writers make some kind of a reference to the harrowing. The Bible makes reference as they ascended on the trains of his garment. Right. So. There's no question that this is a this is a blind, another blind spot for for the modern church, especially in the Western world. But anyway, well, <laughs> okay. So it sounds Galatians, like a lot of reading. Thank you. Galatians five twelve. There we go. As for the agitators, I wish they could would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Is there you the go. NIV version of it. God bless. <laughs> there it is, right there. All right. All right. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to ask you the my, um. Okay, one thing I want to bring up real quick. So Seraph says, I ask God to remove my blind spots. Oh, that's a good one. Um, this is something that, so there's this de- deconstruction trend going on right now that's very, like I've, I've talked about mm. it somewhat at length um, in the past. Um, I don't think that deconstruction is helpful for a Christian. I think that what you're really looking for is discipleship. And one of the things I've done which they would, I think, would technically fall within the definition of deconstruction, is I have been hunting down the um, idiosyncrasies in my own belief system that I was that were, that were passed down to me from my parents, from school, mm. from whatever. And so I think, you know, praying for God to let you see your blind spots is such a good thing to pray, mm. but you're got, you got to be prepared to do some study. You got to yes. be prepared to do the work to really mm. get get rid of those uh, in idiosyncrasies, you know, discipleship, you know, I'm going to drop another bombshell. Cause you know, hey, <laughs> I'm the muted, but, um, you know, I have not responded against deconstructionists all that much. Yeah. Each person is certainly responsible for their own so-called deconstruction. Right. But if I'm going to be real, I think I have to blame a lot of their churches for their, their deconstruction, not them. Yeah. Because a lot oh, of yeah. them, a lot of them went to churches with difficult questions, and they found out that nobody was equipped to answer those questions. So Absolutely. whose fault is that? And a lot of that has to do with Kool Aid. We've we've gone over a lot of stuff in this video that some people might have never even heard of before, and a lot of these ideas were common to the ancient church. Modern Christianity bears almost no resemblance to first and second century uh, Christianity in all reality, and that that's a problem. That's something that Christians need to reckon with. Not that they're, oh, well, let's just keep, uh, but no, they've got seminaries and books to write and, you know, places they have to go and they they keep backing up. No, just shut up and drink the Kool-Aid. Well, I don't know if I want to shut up and drink the Kool-Aid, you know, 
So I think that one of the big problems, uh, you mentioned discipleship. Man, if there's anything that Christians don't do, it's discipleship, right? Yeah. Look at look at uh, that Elijah to Elisha relationship, that kneecap to kneecap discipleship is not something that's going on in the church. Yeah. Right? That we we have a discipleship Bible study. We have discipleship meetings. There's discipleship groups. But uh, like, for example, I've been kneecapped and kneecapped discipled under the Hallelujah Hulk for years now. Personal person, one-to-one, me sitting down with you, you sitting down with me, us going over things. Because nowhere in the Bible is it said, go give people Bibles and let them make up their own mind. Jesus said, go forth and disciple the nations. Yeah. Teach the nations. So... I'm with you. I that's what I had with I, I was discipling Jessica in some sense, mm, mm. and it was it was it's so funny because <laughs> she didn't realize what she was asking when she goes, "Hey, um, I'm really kind of new to Christianity. Do you mind if I ask you questions and 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 talk to you about these things?" And I was like, in my head, I was like, "You're asking me to disciple you, and I'm not going to say that right now because I don't I know you don't understand what that yes. is." yet we'll get to it um but that's that's a scary thing to be asked and yes i'll do it <laughs> you, you know one of my that's that's something i mean i know we're getting we're getting long but I'll, something i've been te- telling a lot of the people that i there's people that i disciple personally right there's people that i teach on a regular basis right but uh, one of the things that i've been dr- uh, led to tell them is one of the first things i was ever taught about discipleship by a my beloved friend Dave Bertrand, who was a counselor and he's a physician's assistant, a wonderful guy, wonderful man. That Elijah to Elisha relationship, like uh, discipleship is alive and well in Orthodox Judaism, where you can imagine, like if you were a young man and I, I examine you and you have a talent for the Torah and I say to you, hey, I'm, ra- I'm Rabbi Zecharias. And from now on, you're no longer going to call yourself Cam. You're going to call yourself Zechariah because you're going to be my disciple. And you're going to cut your beard the way I cut my beard. And we're going to, you're going to come to the same tailor that I go to. And you're going to read all the books that I've read. And you're going to know all the things that I know. And if you and I have a disagreement, you're going to give up your end of the disagreement. You're going to come to my side. Right. And that's, well, that I don't, I almost don't think I, it's almost difficult for me to imagine Paul discipling people that way. But that's something that we don't see in the church. Yeah. That's something that we don't see. We don't see people saying, oh, get an actual like mentor. Get an actual yeah. person who's going to uh, walk with you in hard times, but also someone who's there to bring you along spiritually. You well, know? I think uh, one of the things that I've said since I was a teenager um, is that I think there are three roles that you need to fill. Um and the first being you need a mentor you need to be discipled um so you know if if i were to use david as a uh, an example you need uh, a nathan you need uh-huh. you need that prophet that person that's going to teach you that person that's going to going to help you along mm-hmm. you also need a jonathan you need someone that's that's at the same level as you you need the the people that are at the same place as you and you need to live side by side working through this and third, you need a Timothy. Mm-hmm. Timothy becoming a mentor, teaching, yes. doing that is a necessary part of discipleship. That is still your discipleship. I can't yeah. tell you with Jessica um, how many times I had to absolutely question myself and 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 go to the book and go to history and do different things to figure out questions that she had that I had either not thought of in a while 
or had never thought of. And I had to do my due diligence. Let mm -hmm. me tell you, that's the most learning I've done in a long time. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I have to be able to understand this completely so I can simply explain it to her. And am I you wrong about it? Right. Dis am I wrong discipleship, about it? Discipleship sounds a lot like getting a sponsor and then eventually being worthy of being someone's sponsor and exactly just helping right. someone out. Right. And, well, like it, it yeah. sounds pretty much like, dude, man, got it right from there, homie. And when you and when you become the sponsor the first time, you're like, holy crap, am I am I worthy of this even? Am I yeah. ready to do this? Somebody is really call my sponsor like, and ask him. I've been there. For some more advice. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly. So that the relationship never stops. Just because you you go from Padawan to Jedi Master doesn't mean that you'll fall out of relationship with your Jedi Master. Right. It just Real means quick. that <laughs> because you said Jedi Master. I have a question for the audience because I have no idea. Um, and uh, someone sent me a lightsaber in the mail and I don't know who sent it. It had no note, nothing. And I just, I need to know where this came from. You just told me about this before the show started. So funny. The fancy lightsaber. Too. You said crap. Jedi? Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Uh, uh, yeah, so um, I think this has been great. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I do like to do, um, th there's one big question at the end, but I also like mm -hmm. some on the spot questions. Uh, the first, my favorite one, I'll have to ask you next time you come on the show, which I hope you want to do. Sure. Um, yeah. But, um, so I'm going to ask you a dumb question first, uh, or whip, do you have a dumb question? Like a, a silly question? Do you salt your fruit? Do you salt your fruit? Like when you eat fruit, are you like someone who salts your fruit? No, <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this. I, I have been known to put tahini on fruit. Tahini on fruit is delicious. So that's basically salt. You're you're I mean, right there in, so, in tahini the flavor respecter yes. crowd, and I can yeah. get with that, man. See? So my question uh, is answered. My day is made. Good talk. Tahini on mango is killer. Are you kidding <laughs> it me? Is All right, killer, All right. killer. Um, so I'm going to ask you a dumb question. And I've gone over this with many people, but um, is a hot dog a sandwich? I'm trying to make this more dramatic than it really. Is. Yes, a hot dog is a sandwich. Thank you. You are correct. All right. Because it's because a... if a hot dog's not a sandwich, neither is a sub sandwich. No. Yeah. Exactly. A hot dog. What's what does it come from? It comes from Vienna sausage on a bun, and a bun is for a sandwich. So a hot dog is a sandwich. Thank you. All right, I've now the question. As a counterintelligence marine, I had questions. I had we had hilarious <laughs> discussions like this too, because uh, I, you learn to say anything to anybody in the booth, and yeah. they'll say anything to you. Holy crap! Anyway, <laughs> you okay, interrogating so people, man. Anyway, I'll, I'll ask you the big question, and then I'll let everyone know where to find you. At that point, I'm going to tell everyone all of the future stuff. You can stay on if you'd like, or you can bounce sure. at that point. Up to you. Um, but the big question, like I said, um, this is a show of hope. That was the big push when I rebranded it, when I changed it, when I, when, uh, Jessica came on, um, we rebranded in the middle of the, the whole COVID ordeal, mm. the government's response to COVID. Mm. Um, that's the nicest way to put it. Um, but there were a lot of people I knew, um, one of my friend's brothers, uh, got back into drugs and killed himself because mm -hmm. he lost the job that was 
keeping him off of drugs and keeping mm. him going. So there's been a lot of desperation. There's been a lot of depression and sadness. And I wanted us to be a little light in the darkness mm -hmm. in that way. And so what's really fun is asking our final question, which gets different answers from different people. I think I know what yours will be, but let's do it. Um, what is something right now uh, in your life? Um, it can be global. It can be universal. It can be local, state, national, whatever. What is something that gives you hope and motivates you to carry on and continue doing the things that you do? Hmm. What's the someone, hope, man? Man, my, I'm that, you know, if I'm going to list just one, mm -hmm. let me list two. Let me list two. Okay. You can get two. Number, uh, one I'll list is certainly my sons, right? Uh, they're, they're so full of potential. They, they have that horrific, vengeful steel trap memory that I do. Yeah. You know, they'll, rem they'll remember everything. They'll hold it against you in a court of law. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like I can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I thank God that he's given me a little bit of grace in that, because, you know, when you have a really good memory, it makes you a really vengeful person. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really cool to, to be there for my kids, but I'm not, Hey, let me, let me be real. Right. But, um, but the other thing I will say is that I think my, our, my blessed hope, my whole reason for putting one foot in front of the other, this, at this time at all is to watch Christ break the Eastern sky. That is the blessed, that's the blessed hope of the Bible. Yeah. That's the blessed. Wow. What is our blessed hope? Our blessed hope is the second coming of the Lord. When he returns in glory in power, when he returns as the lion of Judah with the two edged sword of his mouth, when he breaks the Eastern sky, with as the saint. slain lamb. I've uh, one of my guys I teach who runs a church out of his living room. He loves this story, so I'll give it to you all really quickly. I've often told that, you know, the church will be under persecution and somewhere in Israel in an upper room, because it's always an upper room, there will be six Jewish believers in Jesus and six Gentile Christians. And they will be like the, they might be the last 12 people who believe in Jesus on this earth. And in that moment, they will lock arm in arm and sing spiritual hymns to encourage each other. And then one of them will remember that the last prayer of the Bible is come Lord Jesus come. And in that hour, in that moment, the, the scroll of the sky will be rolled away. The armies of heaven will appear at the clouds like a thunderhead, like never before. The, the Lord is, is slow to anger and his way is of the whirlwind and the storm. Nahum one and three. Jesus's return. This should be the focus of everybody's ministry that's the focus that we have forgotten today that it is all about the second coming of our lord for him to return and reign forever and that's what's going to happen and what a glory will have revealed when just to, to see the feet of jesus to see the face of jesus this is the thing that keeps my me one foot in front of the other this is why i'm on mission this is why i have hope this is why I have purpose, because I know that we are paddling the boat a little further downstream to the return of the Lion of Judah. And we'll turn and see him. The tribe of Judah. And he will look like a slain lamb. Man, and that will oh. be, that's that's the, the real end of the story. When Billy Graham said, I've read the end of the book, and it turns out all right. That's <laughs> what he's talking about. <laughs> I've read the end of the book.
And hey guys, guess what? All right. <laughs> What's up, man? Uh, one more question for both okay. of you: uh, pineapple on pizza. Oh man, I know Seraph. I know Seraph too. Uh, what do you think, Whip? No, me, I'm a definite pineapple. Uh, my specific pineapple combo is uh, pineapple, jalapeno, mushroom, and then like a meat of your choice. Hmm. And really, like you get the savory, you get the flavory, the sweet, you get the meat, and it's great. What? It's fantastic. What How about you? What an outstanding question. I want somebody, I want you to guess, guess before I give an answer. I, I want to say like, it's, it's actually, you're hard to read on this one. Um, but I want to say it's a yes. I'm saying you, yes. Your insights serve you well. Yes, I I do yeah. like pineapple on pizza. I like some some. Uh, so I like it with a little bit of spicy. So you get like a Hawaiian pizza, right? Yeah. With some some well cooked ham and some and some pineapple and a little bit of red pepper flakes. Just yeah, I like. I like Just old school. Straight. That doesn't that yeah. doesn't belong there. That's a whole other question. Absolutely. I mean, if you is it know, is it heresy and blasphemy? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Italian. I can't speak on such things. Um, but for me, yes. Um, in fact, my regular order is I'm a lot simpler than than you guys. Well, I mean, I think we're probably the same. You just add red pepper. Um, but I do pepperoni, extra pineapple. Mm. Like if that thing d- isn't covered in pineapple, <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. want it. Um, one more. Uh, so, Large Mars says, "Whip, how are we not married? Between the candy corn and pineapple on pizza, we are a match made in heaven." Okay, Marge, it's not the candy corn; it was the licorice inside. Candy corn is fine. I have no qualms against candy corn. I, I, you know, it's a staple. I grew up on it. But for me, specific incident you're referring to, it was the licorice inside. And that one's going to get me canceled before any pineapple views do. There are not enough people that appreciate the glory of a good black licorice. It's delicious. You're all wrong. <laughs> Thank God taste is subjective because I would not eat that garbage if it was forced on me. Um, You're okay. missing out, bud. For my military vets, uh, all quads was in here. He's a military guy. And, uh, you know, we get those boxes of meals ready to eat, meals in a bag, right? Well, me and my two buddies, like me and one of my buddies, like the the two worst MREs in there, which were veggie omelet and ham jambalaya. So between the two of us, we ate the whole box because there was never anything left over, which I just thought was. Uh, I'm I'm one of those weirdos who likes fruitcake. Okay, so I mean, I, you know, my great. dad was a fruitcake guy. I've never I'm tried fruit, it though. I'm a fruitcake. Oh. Cook it in a little pan. Put a little butter on it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I'll yeah, try. Add it. butter on everything. Just eat <laughs> butter. Butter's fucking Absolutely. great for you. There Your you brain is made out of fat and cholesterol. Eat butter. See, like my favorite breakfast is when I take a stick of butter and I melt it, and then I put it on top of another stick of butter, and then I eat that. <laughs> what <a deception. laughs> butter. The texture's fantastic. Um, so uh, since we're wrapping it up, um, if you want to see Zach's mad yo-yo skills and I do. hear about Jesus, uh, you put him can in the go group over chat. to TikTok at the muted flag. Um, he is also on Instagram. So you can see the same thing there and you don't have to go to the spy, uh, Chinese spyware app. Uh, it's also the I'm muted flag. Um, and he has a YouTube. It doesn't have a unique URL yet. We uh, Let's get him to a hundred so he can, he can do that. Please. Um, and then uh, I'm going to, I'm going to push for that over the next couple of days on Twitter. Cause that's my, that's my realm uh, is Twitter. 
nice. more so than anything else. Um, but if you if you want to check that out, his YouTube is in the description. Um, if if you're listening on a podcatcher, uh, click the link that it gives you to the website. It'll be there. Um, so I think that's all that we need to. Is there anything else you want to mention or bring up that people could find you at? Um. So my primary content is going to really right now be on TikTok and YouTube. Instagram yeah. is kind of like maybe I should water that a little bit more. But, uh, I hate Instagram. Shameless, shameless plug. Uh, you know the vision that God always gave me in the beginning as a as a military veteran. I want to interview my fellow veterans. Uh, it doesn't even have to be. It's not even going to be within the realm of Christianity. I'll never forget the day that it was Vietnam Day. I went to the VA. The VA is horrible, by the way. But I went to the yeah. VA. And uh, here were all these Marine, these all these Vietnam veterans on Vietnam Day with their Vietnam hats, right? And I remember I went into one of the labs, and there here was here was this older gentleman, Vietnam vet. Here I am, Iraq, Afghanistan vet. And I said, "Excuse me, man, I don't mean to bust in on you." And he just looks at me and says, "No skin off my back, buddy." Like we were two guys from the same unit, separated by more than fifty years plus of service, right? And it was on that day I realized. Uh, when these men die, that's that's the end of the wisdom that they have for this world. It's gone. That's the end of their story. So a vision that God gave me a long time ago with my there, I'm I'm not supposed to be the muted flag. The muted flag was supposed to be just a channel name, right? But of course, you know, Alice Cooper. Congratulations, you're Alice Cooper now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the muted flag. Congratulations, you are the muted flag now. But the muted flag, uh, as a term, right? We see my uh, POW flag right there, right? Uh, a muted flag is a tactical American flag. Oh, I don't have one on this shirt because of a veteran-owned shirt, but is a black and white flag, and it's a symbol of of uh, you know the of the flag in combat. So uh, I just want to encourage everybody. That's something I'm going to be looking back into in my in my YouTube is again having a ministry of encouragement to our fellow veterans. Yeah, I've met so many. Uh, you know, as an OIF OEF veteran, one of the one of the epidemics among my generation is burn pits. Uh, those mm -hmm. are Marines who have died in their sleep at the age of 30 because of breathing problems. I knew a Marine who died at 27 from cancer because of burn pits. Uh, in the same Al way, war syndrome, right? Uh, well, I don't know if they. It's you know when we burn. Well, I mean, but a lot of the, but a lot of the side effects or adverse effects or whatever from being exposed to that. I mean, tend to fall under things that yeah. happen from Gulf War syndrome, among other exposure. Issues. And the well, the thing is, uh, you know, the the government is continuing to basically lie and cover up the truth about Agent no Orange. So, so between uh, so stupid, yes, uh, stupid government, one hundred percent. I mean, you know, what a surprise. Well, that's the thing. Like, if if the government is going to pay somebody for the cancer that they have because of Agent Orange, then they have to admit this giant scandal about Agent Orange. If the government yeah. is going to pay my buddies who are, who are like, I've got friends of mine who I served with in, in Afghanistan, 30 years old, and he's on a CPAP, right? He sleeps with an oxygen mask in his face. If the government is going to pay him for that, they're going to have to recognize the fact that they put they burn plastic pollutants into the air that went for miles and became a, a carcinogenic and, and uh, you know, breathing problems, not to mention post-traumatic stress, not to mention that 22 veterans and active duty member, uh, duty service members killed themselves a day. And I know way too many people who have killed themselves. I know way too many. Yeah. yeah. Something I'm very passionate about. It's something I'm going to be building up on my channel. Uh, I hope to get in touch with, you know, that's something, again, it got, basically got shelved 
during COVID. It basically got shelved, uh, you know, throughout the past couple of years, but something to be getting back into. Any help you need, just let me know. I, I'm not, a, I don't have any money, <laughs> but I can give you tips. I'm a, I'm a veteran in the way of podcasting. Like this Absolutely. is 155th episode uh, that I've done on this, but I've been podcasting since 2016. Uh, I, I play with play in after effects. I make in my own intros. I do all of that, all that crap you see I make. So if you need any tips, need any help, just let me know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on the show because you've already given me a bunch of things. You know, I'm a nerd for this kind of stuff too. As far as like, you know, YouTube's podcasts, cameras, we were, we were having a hilarious discussion before we started the episode all about, <laughs> all about Cam's new camera. So I mean, <laughs> $4.99 to use your phone as a, as a webcam. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's better than buying an SLR. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, uh, well, so it's real quick. Um, Seraph said that's cool. After effects is specialized knowledge. I'm completely self-taught. So anything I know on that, I have figured out on my own. Uh, I'll get better and there'll be cooler and cooler stuff that comes out. I keep making cooler stuff, Zach. It's so much fun when I get into a, a place where I'm like, Oh, what if, what if I could do this? And then I try it and I come, come like I, I need to um, update. I made an intro for Whip, and I, I I need to update some of it. I haven't gotten around to fixing it up, but uh, oh, he he liked it and he loved it, and that that makes me so happy. Um, but again, thank you for coming on. You are welcome to come back anytime you are interested in. I mean, you you do have to know that I am booked up until the new year, though. Wow. So That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I try to keep my, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't have all of December booked, uh, but um, I'm trying to figure out some Christmas kind of theme stuff. Um, but yeah, anytime you want to come on, just say, I, I, I love, do, I about. love doing apologetics of Christmas. Cause it, it pisses off those, you know, hey, <laughs> it, hey. it, it pisses, it pisses off these Christians that have no discernment. In fact, you, you should, you put, show that picture of the Blackbeard shirt. So I had to wear it. Right, because it'll piss off people that have no discernment. <laughs> so. uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to start talking about all the other crap now. Mm. Um, so if you liked this at all, uh, how much did you miss? Um, it, uh, three hours. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, next week, we have a busy week. I have two shows next week. On Tuesday, at the same time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm talking to Ben Taylor. On TikTok, you may or may not have seen him. His name is Raw Motivations. Uh, he is a narcissist. He's also a Christian. And he, uh, when he realized he was a narcissist, he decided he was going to do something about it. He's trying to, to do the work, fix himself, etc. And he started um, essentially, I don't know if, it's a, if he would call it a ministry or a charity or what um, we'll get into that next week, next week, but to help other people with issues on nar of narcissism. So that's really interesting. I want to, I've, I've never talked to another narcissist. I mean, I've never talked to a narcissist um, next Thursday, a week from today. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Hillel gray from uh, Miami university. He, I found him on TikTok. He is, I want to say he's an Orthodox Jew, but he is a professor of comparative religion, and he has studied and knows personally the Westboro Baptist Church. 
And that was enough to make me go, I want to talk to you about that because he studies the radicals. He studies um, these offshoots, these fringe movements. And I, I just, I want to know everything that he studied. So that's next Thursday. After that, uh, Matt CL is going to be coming back on the show. Um, or not back. He's coming for the first time. Matt CL is coming back on the show. Damn it. <laughs> I cursed. Um, he's coming on the show for the first time. Not back. Not back. Um, uh, he's another guy I met on TikTok, also into Jesus and talking about him on social media. Uh, that'll be a good time. That's the last show of the month. I said our entire October slate was uh, unseen realm centered, but we did have a late edition, which is a bonus episode um, that I have. I don't know the date on right now. Uh, it'll it's going to show on the outro. But uh, I'm I'm going to be talking to Miss Naomi Wright, who is a uh, you know this year we spoke to a guy named Ben Brown the nephew of Cody Brown. Uh, I don't know if you know who Cody Brown is. He is the the man in Sister Wives. He grew up in a, a Mormon polygamous cult. And so now Naomi, I've, I've, I'm connecting with her, and she also grew up in a polygamous cult, but not Mormon, and one that was started by her father. Um, and so we're going to get another picture of living that life. And I've, I'm super excited about that. Um, if you want to find whip on Twitter, he'll have to tell you his name because dear Lord, he gets, he has had so many at this point. I believe it's at unwhipped spoon. I, I hope I'm right. <laughs> unwhipped spork or whipping spork. I, I, okay, I, I yeah. forget dude. It's the, uh, yeah. it's yeah. Whipping spork. It'll I'll, I'll, I'll add that to the description. If you want some, some spicy. Whip edits. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at Ham Carlos because, yes, I lost my named account because I uh, said mean things to Justin Trudeau. Um, if you'd like to support us, again, best way is Patreon, um, patreon.com slash the mad ones. Um, T-shirts, mugs, tank tops, which is the preferred shirt of the show, um, is wearethemadones.com slash store. Uh, if you are listening, you can watch live every Wednesday on a number of platforms, but I'd prefer it if you went to YouTube over at youtube.com slash the mad ones. We're also on Rockfin, Odyssey. Uh, I, I put it on t Twitter. I think there's more, but I, I, I shoot this thing out like a shotgun to catch as many people as I can. Um, and we, if you'd rather listen and see my dumb, ugly face every week, you can just go to any podcatcher, type in the mad ones, and it'll be unmistakable. You'll see it. That's all. So any final words for the people before I, I close this out for good? Nope. That's good. Then <laughs> we got it all out. Officially. We, we did the work. All right. So thank everyone for listening. Everyone who came live. Um, please tell your friends, please spread it around. We I'd love to grow this thing. I'd love to do more. I'd love to get more truth out there and have more hard conversations and have more things discussed that need discussing. So mm -hmm. please share it. Please, please help us out in that way. Subscribe on YouTube, hit the like button, comment, you know, that puts everything up in the algorithm. So do that for me, please. And beyond that, as always, you have a chance to be a light in the world. So go light it up.
Hey. Oh, I didn't end it. Sorry. Still here. What's up, man? Good I didn't show. Hit the end we... broadcast button. Let me hit that real quick. Oh. <laughs>